This is Mahmoud Asrar, and you're listening to 11 o'clock comments. <laughs> No, okay. that was good. That was good. Um, your woohoo is now superimposed over a very special introduction. So let's not let the cat out of the bag right now, but it's a theme song for a uh, beloved cartoon show. Oh, so this episode won't be posted on Spotify? No, it will. It's, it's not public domain, but I'm going to obscure it enough where it's not going to be in your face like the other stuff was. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. So Spotify has a, do they comb through the, the audio file to find uh, copyrighted I don't stuff? believe they do. They just kind of want to make sure you're, it, it's the honor system. So as long as you selected it to be published, uh, um, if they ever decide to audit and yeah, we're good. they determined that. So, yeah. I have a super duper idea for a range of t-shirts for our, um, our patrons. Yeah. Comics should be ridiculous, right? A line mm-hmm. of shirts pulling panels from public domain comic books. Of which it. of which the actual contents of the panels are ridiculous. So it fits with the theme, yeah. fits with the show, right. bada bing. And you can only get them as patrons. Like it. Yeah, it came to me on the way home. I was driving home. And I'm thinking, you know what? Like Comics lot. should be ridiculous. Like, wait a minute. And then Craig Yo popped into my mind, as Craig always mm-hmm. does. So, I mean, if, if Craig can do it, we can do it. And we hope you'll stick around because this, what is it? 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 559. And I'm Vince B. Woof. You are... You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Yes, you are. And we have a guest in the house. Jason's not here. I don't know what he's doing. He left a message under our door saying, I can't make it. Whatever. But oh, no. <laughs> we procured a very suitable replacement for Jason. This man, you've seen his work in the pages of Godland and American Barbarian and Transformers versus G.I. Joe and a series that the first issue of which is currently solicited in this month's previews. And he's going to tell you all about it. He is the torchbearer, the man who does this comic thing the way it should be done, Mr. Tom Scholey. Hey, thanks for that introduction. Hey, it's from the heart, brother. We love you. Welcome back, Tom. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much. Good to be back. Yeah, well, Tom was telling us off the air that it's been four years since he's been here, and it it didn't seem like that long to me, but I mean, time just flies. Yeah, long days, true. short years. Yeah. The, the last time Tom was here, he was embarking on the Transformers vs. G.I. Joe comic. Love that comic. It didn't um, you and IDW recently release, like, an Ultimate Edition? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think it was like earlier this this year, or, or um, it was either early this year or late 2017. Yeah, they uh, put out like a big hardcover, uh, the quintessential edition with right, right. all the ev- everything uh, that I did for Transformers versus GI Joe, all in one thing. And then there, there was also like um, this thing in in England where they're uh, 
releasing like all the G one Transformers. They they call it like um, all, all the like old school kind of Transformers stories, and they've included Transformers versus GI Joe in that too. So like the first volume of that came out. So that's rolling out currently. Oh man, see, I, I stuck with the single issues because I wanted all the back matter. Is all that stuff in the quintessential edition? Yeah, all the back matters in there. I'm I. So I think the advantage you would get from having your single issues is that the back matter is grouped with each issue as opposed to the uh, collection where it's all the back matter is, you know, all collected together at the end. Oh, okay. So it's like, you know, you got to jump all the way to the back to, to get to it. Right. I stick with the singles, but I wouldn't mind that on my bookshelf, got to say. <laughs> and you know who can get you a lot of stuff to put on your bookshelf? Discount Comic Book Service. Yes, dcbservice.com. Unfortunately, the we are in that limbo, that gray area between uh, new previews where the list of specials has not been posted yet. But that's okay because you know that the discounts will be both plentiful and deep. There's only one place to go if you want to get your comics for far less than anybody else is paying. Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Short and sweet. Get that list Well, that's up. good because um, we might want to get some business out of the way first before we get to the good stuff. We got not business? business is not the good stuff. Well, just, just I want to because this is the last time we're getting together this month. And generally, our last episode of the month is um, our book of the month episode. And this month... Monstrous Volume 1 was your winner. Uh, we were all set to sit down and talk about Monstrous. Uh, unfortunately, scheduling and obligations interfered well, with be his honest. best laid plans. Jason screwed it up. <laughs> Just be <laughs> honest. Night is the night? Be honest with him. So, Shh, don't. <laughs> wait, right, yeah. See, be honest don't, with him. Just don't don't shatter the illusion. So, um, so we are not discussing monstrous this evening and for our patrons. And, uh, it was alluded to in our Facebook group and on Twitter. Uh, we, we pulled the patrons. We asked them, um, because we do want to make good on our promises. We, we asked if you would rather us do a book of the month episode even if we're not all present as long as meaning it you you get it within that month or do you would you rather wait till we're all together where we can discuss the book and um it was almost unanimous and uh the I, it's too late for this month anyway but the voting everybody who who made their voice known uh have said emphatically that they would rather wait um and granted for this particular book jason was all set to record a video for the patrons uh which wouldn't benefit the the general public but he would have he would have recorded a video where he reviewed the first two volumes, actually. Uh, so we all, all three of us would have discussed it. Unfortunately, only two of us would have been able to have an actual conversation about it. And then one person would just gush about it on his own, which really might be fun to watch. It's kind of weird. Um, yeah. So 
Um, it's like DVD plus, bonus features. You know, right? Which he hates. He can't stand that crap. So it's like, dude, what do you? But I also that 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 sets us down a road where if Jason and I are available and Vince isn't, will Vince do a video? You know. So I just it, it's let's just try to be all together and 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 shout out to Tyler because my man has has made a great point where it's like you know just it if if uh, he doesn't want it to he doesn't want a domino effect and spiral into affecting uh, other yeah. um uh, other promises later in the month so uh but this was kind of a this was a quick little thing so we are not uh recording the book of the month and we may even have a bonus episode for you coming yep. up this yep. weekend this holiday weekend uh chances are that won't be the book of the month but the next time the three of us are together we will definitely be discussing monstrous volume one and i think that's all we have as far as the business at the moment yeah but in my opinion we got something better i mean monstrous was great Monsters is not Tom Shirley, and we got Tom Shirley right now. So exactly. So just we we we're 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 ho- hopefully uh, by the lack of Jason and the lack of Monstrous, um, <laughs> we've more than uh, made up for it by inviting sure. Tom on tonight. All right, Tom. This is the part where we do the drink roll call. Are you drinking anything special? Um, I just have a thermos full of water. Nice, keeping it real. Well, I am drinking Dap, the last of the Frontera Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay. So. All right. Um, even though I needed to, I did not do a lot of drinking this week. So I am finished. I might finish this, um, the bottle of uh, Motto Backbone that I started last week. Cool. Now, I alluded it to it in the uh, intro. The book. Um, which you should all be looking at in this month's previews is Tom Shirley's GoBots from IDW. And uh, Tom, I want the poop on this. How did this come about? Uh, well, I mean, unlike Transformers versus GI Joe, which uh, was basically it was like pitched to me. Basically, you know, John Barber said, "Hey, you know, do you want to do like a you know Transformers meets GI Joe kind of thing?" This was one that I pitched to them. I um, just kind of had had GoBots on my mind and I just was, you know, it, it's sometimes these things happen, like just like an idea will start picking at you and it's kind of like, okay, why am I thinking about GoBots? What, you know, this, 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 it isn't time to think about GoBots. I got other, other things to think about, but it just, you know, kept creeping into my head, kept going. And, you know, I just kind of like, you know, was work, you just kind of work on it, like just, just in your imagination kind of. And I started having something. And after a while I thought, you know, don't fight it, just go with it, you know, go, go where your imagination takes you. And, and eventually I, I um, contacted Justin Isinger at, at IDW and I said, you know, I've been thinking about GoBots a lot lately. So, like, you know, what do you guys think? And so it just kind of went from, went from there. And then uh, to my shock, like, because I assumed, I mean, every single thing from childhood has been strip mined to death. You know, there, there's like every. So I assumed if when I said, uh, you know, oh, I want to do GoBots, they'd, they'd be like, oh, well, we have, you know, like three GoBots series on the way or, you know, like right. I figured, but there was nothing, there was, there were no plans whatsoever for GoBots, which was shocking. I mean, that, 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 doesn't that shock you guys? Isn't that kind of surprising? Yeah. But I mean, it is the redheaded stepchild sure. of yeah. that kind of, of the, the, the machine robo stuff, uh, the Transformers. But 
it does it does surprise me and it doesn't because we even got a visionaries comic and yeah, if you, you know if you're going to strip mine stuff visionaries really mm-hmm. it, i mean i enjoyed it but there had to have been a bunch of people scratching their heads when that thing came out but um you're in awesome company because of the few graphic representations of the gobots steve ditko was one of the artists right. that actually drew them and i i was like well, aside from Steve and now Tom, who else drew the GoBots? And I, I knew there was a, a British sh- series, um, Robo Machines. In mm-hmm. I think it was in Eagle magazine, but I don't recall who actually drew that. But I mean, you're you're in comic book royalty now. That that was the other thing that shocked me was I was like I thought for sure there was like a Star Comics. Gobots, you know, like I thought for sure there there had to be. A, I I almost remember seeing a Gobots comic, but there was there was never a Gobots comic. Just just that like British one you mentioned, which mm-hmm. like was you know like a short little thing that ran in like a Gobots magazine in the UK for like four issues. But yeah, there was never. Uh, so so I'd be doing like pretty much the first Gobots comic, which which was a shocker. Like because uh, Ditko did he did like these storybooks with yeah. Robin Snyder with Robin right yeah. I have them. There's two of them. Okay. Yeah, they're they're pretty cool, but I mean, uh, a a blaint, a blip in the in the entire legacy of this kind of stuff. Um, how is IDW handling this? Because from from what I was told, you you know the drill. Um, Popey did the designs for the actual robots, which Popey was owned by Bandai, and then Tonka appropriated the license for the things. And then Tonka got bought out by Hasbro. But all through that, I thought Bandai still owns the visual representation of the GoBots. Is there, was there any dealing with Bandai in this or is it just like a big gold package deal with Hasbro now that they just. Yeah. I don't, I don't know any of like, I only learned about all that like legal behind the scenes stuff from like fan theories and stuff after after this book was announced, like nobody said anything to me about, you know, like, Oh, you know, we got this. We don't, we, we don't got that. And I mean, I just like, I've just been doing my thing on this and like, I submit everything. So, uh, you know, I just assume, you know, if, if there's something that I'm, you know, some area I'm stepping into, I'm not supposed to, they'll tell me or whatever. Right. But it, I mean, it's uh, for all I know, maybe, you know, maybe there was some kind of, the other theory I've heard is that, that there was some kind of, uh, like maybe when Hasbro bought the, Power Rangers or something, you know, that, that there was some, because I, I think there's some connection there, too. I don't know. Like, right. uh, fortunately, like, I, I think, you know, part of the job uh, of, you know, like an editor and things like that is to kind of allow you to be in a bubble as a creator where you don't have to worry about anything other than, you know, just sort of telling your story and, and you know, they'll let me know if, if I go into any, like, weird roads. But, but yeah, so, so far, so good. Right. I'm sure that if, you know, you're representation of Psykill wasn't what they were able to do. You would have been told about. So yeah, you you right, really yeah. don't you don't need to know this, which is but I mean, you know how we are right, with the, with this course. stuff. We we have to know of everything. Course. Um so you you're not bound by that massive weight of all the Transformers continuity. I mean, there really hasn't been a whole lot of Gobots stuff produced. 
at, at least yeah. in terms of like story wise like the cartoons you know are you going to go are you going to take any of that continuity and inject it into the story or is this complete tom Scholey reworking of the gobots i mean i i sort of reserve just like with transformers and gi joe i reserve the right to use whatever is there that i want to use and ignore whatever i want to ignore just in in the the quest to make the best comic i can mm. and um you know so uh that that's kind of, i i'll i'll you know i'll use and i guess the other thing is like yes transformers has this like byzantine continuity and it has like multiple continuities but um i think like the big difference uh, which I really like about GoBots is um, I do, don't feel the weight of expectations the, uh, of adhering to a certain continuity that I felt with the Transformers and the G.I. Joe stuff. You know what I mean? Like like those things, uh, the fans of those things were so heavily invested yep. in, in, in them that like you have to like you have to tread lightly. And I had to really seriously consider, you know, anytime I thought about you know, violating some like sacred uh, line, you know, I had to really think about it and be really careful where GoBots, I, I feel a little freer. I feel like, you know, like, you know, people are going to are going to be along with me. And I feel like even people who are fans of GoBots are kind of like more interested in the potential of them than, you know, what's actually out there as, as sort of like a canon. Right. Well, to your credit, you didn't pull any punches on uh, Transformers versus G.I. Joe. I mean, there were things in there where the the things you did with, with Cobra Commander and Snake Eyes and Megatron wearing uh, Bumblebee's head as bling, you know, like, you, you you went out. You went out there. And I remember when some of the stuff was, was coming out, I'm a member of all those fan communities. And, you know, the, the reaction was was largely positive, but you always have those guys in the back of the room saying, this is blasphemy, you know? But and you're right. You don't really have that. You don't run the risk of ticking off too many people with GoBots, so you can blaze your own trail with this. Yeah, and and once once I got rolling with the Transformers and GI Joe, then it was like, okay, I see. You know, I see it. But but in the initial stages, it was like, oh, you know, should we really do that? And, and you know, we went ahead and 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 did everything we wanted to do anyway. Right. But there was still, you know, it. it, it you know, took some serious consideration uh, with this. Like, I, I feel like, um, you know, like, like the, uh, the, the diehards are going to sort of, the diehard audience is going to come in with a very, you know, sort of charitable view and like, you know, okay, what are you going to bring to the table? What are you going to do for us? As opposed to you better not mess this up. All right. Is the book going to be lodged in the Hasbro verse? Will we be seeing like ROM and the transformers in it? Or is this going to be just like a, a pocket, uh, continuity thing i mean i i i don't want to say one way or the other i don't want to you know give it away okay you know because i i think i think that is something when you come into something like this that's one of the cards that you have is initially it's like okay is this is this part of it is this not i you know like um but i did like working on this i i wanted it to like really stand on its own legs like i did i wanted it I didn't want it to feel like, um, you know, like you said, like a redheaded stepchild. Like, I didn't mm. want it to feel like, okay, here's a lesser version of Transformers. I wanted it to, to be, like, very much its own thing. And I worked really hard to 
to to sort of differentiate it and and you know play up the 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 things that make it its its own thing and and have it you know earn its own keep before you really start thinking about you know you know uh psycho meeting optimus prime or something right which would be really cool sure yeah no pressure yeah but that would be very cool <laughs> now i mean we're mixed here um in our opinion of this but i love rom in the, mm-hmm. the Hasbro continuity, <laughs> I think I think it was like one of the best things they've ever done. Uh, what do you? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, like the the, the stuff they did with Hasbroverse, like like I, I feel like it works. You know, like yeah. they, they they found a cool way to do it. Uh, the I mean, I I also like how they fit the Micronauts into it, and I'm I'm a big fan of uh, when when they had Micronus Prime, who was like sort of like the the, the Prime Micronaut. Uh, I thought that was kind of a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Although I thought I thought Micro Nautilus Prime would have been a better name, but I don't <laughs> I don't want to like second guess anything anybody else is doing. <laughs> it, it's a lot of fun, but again, you, you can't really take. I mean, if you take the stuff too seriously, you're doomed to at the get go because you're, you're just not going to enjoy it. You just have to lay back and and uh, realize that this is another I- iteration of the things that you've loved. Sure. You know, for so long, yeah. it's I don't, How? I don't sweat the the things like that. Just like like Transformers versus GI Joe, there were a lot of things in there that I thought were amazing, and it's just like these. I thought I said to myself, this is just Tom making really good comics. That's all we want, right? You going to say yeah, I mean, something? That, um, that yeah, yeah, you were saying th- how um. How hmm, how free are you with with the stories with the cat with with with, with the GoBots? I, are you are they very hands on or I you know like 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 Lucasfilm with with Star Wars or, or Disney now with Star Wars or or Paramount with the Star Trek stuff? Are are they has it been a pretty painless uh, work environment? Yeah, I mean, uh, like, of all the sort of, you know, corporations that, that I've worked with, Hasbro has been the most hands-off. Like, they, I mean, nice. they, they, they do, like, have their little, little, you know, say here and there, which, you know, can sometimes, you know, it's not like I'll disagree with or whatever. But largely, no, I just sort of do my thing, and then, you know, maybe a couple of notes come back. But it's 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 usually pretty, pretty minor stuff. Um, and... I mean, just to kind of give you an idea of, of how free it is, I pitched a story that was going to be like my GoBot story. I did the pitch. And then, um, you know, it took a while for the approvals. And then, and then they finally approved it. And then when it was getting close closer to like actually starting like full on production, I got like an even better idea that would like I'd kind of have to just like throw out that 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 pitch that I had sent them and had gotten approved. And. And I thought, okay, so am I going to start doing this totally different thing, like this thing that's just totally different from what I pitched them, and you know maybe you know, you know maybe may, you know maybe get fired, you know, because it's like, hey, that's not what, you, what we're going to. But I thought, you know what, I, I really believe in this new story, and like I, I couldn't have come up with this, you know, like three months ago or what, you know, whenever whenever it was, like it, it only came to me in this in this moment, and so I just have to do this, and so I I just started you know, working on this, like this very different, uh, approach. And, um, 
like they were fine with it. Like that, you know, they, they weren't like, Hey, you know, what, what happened? What, what happened to that story? We approved, you know, it, it, you know, so, so that, you know, that's, that's the kind of freedom I have on this. Nice. That's good. Yes. Now, as far as the, uh, the visual aspect of the book, are you going to do this in the style of Transformers versus GI Joe? Like, are you going to use the? Well, I guess what I'm really asking is, are you going to use the crayon layer? Because, because I adore the crayon layer. I mean, it's it's me, so it's going to look like it's going to look like me, like it's going to look like the way I I draw. But I I feel like I've like changed a bit and and uh, you know like gotten better. Like I um, like I've you know just sort of like. You know, just the work evolves. Like you hope that you get better as time goes on, and, and I, I feel like that's that's happened. So, um, I, I probably should have sent you guys. Uh, I'll, I'll send you guys like a PDF of the first issue or so. I should have sent you before we started talking, but you, you can sort of see for yourself. But it's um, it's a lot more painterly, uh, just because I'm using different tools now. Like I'm I'm uh, like I'm still drawing by hand, still using pencil, still uh, you know on paper and stuff. But then uh, I'm doing a lot of I'm doing a lot of the, the initial laying out and then also the the colors on um on an ipad which which is like totally you know totally new to me i only started doing that like you know less than a year ago and it's just it's kind of magical like like i don't know if you've ever messed around with procreate at all yep it's it's like i mean this is something that i like always wish existed like i love to paint and i just hate the mess and with this it's like it's like you have this like magical paint set and 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 copic markers like it, it like you're it, it, uh, you know it's it's kind of changed the way i do stuff so uh and just changed the thinking and i, I just feel it's you know it's like closer to what i envision just because you know that the, the tools aren't really getting in my way anymore. right right is it speeding up the process at all um yeah yeah a little bit a little bit. I, I mean i think the gains are more in quality like I, th- I think that the quality is better and my enjoying the process like i enjoy the process more uh when i was sort of coloring on in photoshop and it, it it had more of a you know technical it just felt more like like technical work than actually like drawing or painting which is why i incorporated the crayon uh at, like to sort of augment that just just to kind of make the coloring process like a little more fun but the, the coloring process was like like always the most technical part. And now it feels as artistic as the layout, uh, you know, uh, in, in terms of like, just like my enjoyment of it. Right. Well, that's why I like the crayon layer so much. Cause it's, it's yeah. an organic um, approach that, I mean, I, I think it, it's, it's brilliant. Did that begin on Satan soldier? I was trying to figure out when you started doing that. Yeah, good question. I, um, I don't think I was doing it on Satan. Soldier. I think, I think it was uh, Transformers and and GI Joe. Um, yeah, I think that's that's where it started. I just hmm. needed. I, I wanted to get something, some some depth in there. I, I think that. Yeah, maybe there was some in between thing there, but I, I think I think it, I think it was there. I think hmm. Satan Soldier was like flat colors, and then a ton of just Photoshop trickery, like really gross Photoshop trickery, like deliberately gross. Kind of like, you know, Dark Knight uh, Strikes Again or something, you know, (laughs) where you're like, just like, it's like the most, you know, ridiculous uh, uh, tools that you could think of. Yeah, I think it looks great. Thanks. Yeah. So as far as, um, do you want to maybe give them a glimpse into what 
the storyline is going to be? Or yeah, you... I mean, yeah, sure. No, I mean, because that was that was one of the th- the big things that I was thinking about in terms of like how to differentiate this from the other ones because all of them sort of start out the same way: Transformers, Rom, Micronauts. They they all kind of even Battle Beasts. Um, you know, it's 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 the same setup where it's like this alien world. They've got their war or whatever going on, and then they come to Earth and you know and we deal with them and stuff. And I thought like, okay, all these things, you know, came about in like the seventies or eighties. And, you know, like back then, like you couldn't even conceive of like a computer that you could have a conversation with. Like that really was like, they may as well be from space. Cause you're not going to, that, that just doesn't exist. So they'd have to be uh, like some alien civilization or something. And I thought, you know what? Like, that's not the world we live in now. Like, like now, like you, you know, you, you can create like a robot that you can have a conversation with a robot that can, can fool you into thinking they're human and, and maybe even get to that, that point where it's like, how, like where you can't really even differentiate between human and machine. So, so, right. you, know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe they are, you know, maybe they are as human as we are. So that, that was sort of the big, the big change with this, that like that, Gobots originated on Earth. They're an Earth technology. They're they're and and um, you know it's sort of like like less science fantasy and and more of like a like a like a real like hard science fiction kind of thing. That and just like I mean it's just you know where I see things going. It's just the, the world we live in, and and I feel like almost like our science fiction hasn't quite caught up with that. Like especially in comics, like the sort of comic book version of science fiction still seems very rooted in the 20th century and it's just i mean the, the world's just changed so much since then like like that the fiction kind of needs to up you know get updated yeah i agree so yeah so is the approach going to be hard sf or a mixture of hard <laughs> sf with action well i'm assuming because it's you there's going to be a lot of action in it but um is it going to be like a melange of genres or are you sticking to like just straight science fiction? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, the genre is comic book, you know, it's, yeah, it's, okay. which is everything. It's, it's everything. And, and um, just like with Transformers versus GI Joe, it's going to, it'll take turns, you know, it'll, it'll sort of, you know, seem like it's, it's, you know, this one genre and then take a hard left turn into something else and a hard right turn. Like I'm, I'm really about, like taking you on a roller coaster ride and like just just um and just like going where the, the story's gonna go so it's it's fun it's action it i mean for for as much as i said about you know the 21st century and, and like it's very influenced by like 80s like it's very 80s like very 80s action movie it's got like you know top gun elements it's got terminator it's got it's got you know some planet of the apes it's it's um and, and also, like, I was watching a ton of, uh, like, Burt Reynolds movies from the 70s and just, like, all that <laughs> fun car stuff, you know, just, like, crazy stunts and, and uh, you know, like, like, like all this stuff. Like, like it was funny watching all those uh, Burt Reynolds movies in a row. It's like, oh, okay, I, now I see where Dukes of Hazard came from, you know, right. like they just they just saw Smokey and the Bandit and said, hey, let's let's make this for TV. But so there's some of the and, and I was watching a lot of Robert Altman movies, too. So there's some there's some of that, you know, like. Um, so it's just like, it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's 
it's super dense to like like it there's a lot going on in each issue like like I, like i really want you to get your money's worth i feel like you really get your money's worth there's that you know like like what happens just in the first two issues is like um you know it would it would take another comic you know like maybe like 50 to 100 issues to cover and 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 uh, like it's i and i tried to make the reading experience really smooth and 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 easy like like transformers versus gi joe i was like trying to like you know challenge the re- you know kind of like play a little bit of like hey can you keep up and 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 you know where with this i'm trying to you know really kind of take the reader you know just like on this really like you know smooth journey nice well i one word that i would never use to describe your stuff is decompressed i mean you pack a lot of stuff <laughs> into every issue i mean and i I, when godland was coming out i was like how far can this go because each issue was just chock full of stuff and then you continued that trend you know with your own stuff and like you said with transformers versus gi joe it was just you you really got the feeling after reading that that and and i don't feel this often that i you know i got my money's worth out of this and not only in terms of the story but the the amount you invest of yourself into the art like there was a ton of stuff going on ton of characters on a page and the the pop-ups where you indicated where you know who every character was with the little the little commentary with it i mean that it just took a as far as my investment it took a, a while to read but it, it it my enjoyment factor was very high in it yeah i mean, I mean that, that's like another thing of just kind of like looking around at at like the world we live in and we've just gotten so much better at processing information. Like we're just taught on a daily basis and reinforced over and over again to like, you know, form these, you know, to, to these complex thoughts and ideas from this like stream of, of disconnected information. And, right. and uh, we're just, we're like experts at that now. So, so at, as somebody who makes comics, like I have to, I have to keep up with, with your ability to, to process information and, and you're not going to do that by using like the same strategies that, that that they used in you know the 1940s. Right. More often than not, though, I feel like as far as the the, the data wave of everyday life, I feel like I'm panning for gold a lot of times because it's just like there's a lot of garbage, but then every sure. once in a while you'll get that nugget like, "Ooh, this is something I want to focus on," and it it just seems like a lot of our 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 daily life is trying to filter out all the the garbage and just find those the the real the stuff of real value but i guess that's just a product of the times in which we live right so do you think the 80s were the most fertile time as far as uh creativity in the in the toy market that's a good question i mean i've been like uh having a steady diet of, of those, like, you know, the toys that made us. And then they just had like a He-Man documentary yeah, on Netflix yeah. and stuff. So I've been eating. So like, I mean, and, and that's my era. So like, you're not, you're not going to get an argument from me. Like, yeah, like, I, like I love all that stuff. I, uh, I mean, I mean, there, I mean, other eras that like the sixties and the seventies, like, I just, I just don't know those eras, but the little glimpses I get, it does seem like there were, you know, a lot of interesting interesting things going on there toy wise but but yeah 80s seemed like it was like where these like decades of 
development kind of like came to full fruition and and just really like you know for for good and for bad just just you know they they had it down to a science i, I can only imagine what it's like now you know yeah well i mean when i look at the staying power of the the properties created in the 80s a lot of stuff that was manufactured in the 60s i mean that's my decade the late 60s and in the 70s especially the 70s we had late 70s we had all the star wars stuff right which looking back the initial couple waves those toys aren't that great you know the 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 small figures they're they're not not that awesome but my childhood is filled with aurora monster models and planet of the apes um you know mostly monsters because that's there was a huge monster boom in in the late 60s and, and early 70s and you look at this stuff in the 80s you could pull a person right off the street and show them a picture of he-man and they'll know who it is and the same with like all the other stuff that that was produced in the 70s of course optimus prime is gonna everybody's gonna know that right and it's just it seems like the characters that were created for toys in the 80s they're resilient. I mean, they, they've stuck around. They just refuse to go away. G.I. Joe, and it just seems, well, the little G.I. Joes. And it just seems like that decade, I don't think we've, we have really grasped how important that decade is for toys. Sectars, Animax, like there's a ton of stuff that was made in the, in the 80s that just like, won a lot of people over like look at tim seeley how much of that guy's time has been invested in he-man you know and mm. it just there's just a ton of people that feel the same way it's just do you, like do you guys do you guys listen to mark Marin at all occasionally because he's been talking about this and he because he like he talks about how he like hates superheroes and all that stuff and uh but he he's he, you know he's talking about how um you know that generation, which I guess would would be like the generation that I'm in, uh, was that you know they they took away the the regulations regarding how much commercial content you could have, so all of a sudden you could make a cartoon that basically just sells a toy, and that you know if you grew up in that era, your 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 brain was sort of messed with by you know sort of Madison Avenue and, and the toy companies to the point where now you're you know in your in your uh, late twenties, thirties, or forties and you know, you still want you know you want to find out what He Man's going to do next and stuff. You know, and and, yeah. and and in some way we're like we're victims, and that uh, you know we could uh, you know maybe uh, bring some kind of sort of cl- uh, class action lawsuit or something because <laughs> like you know we should have gotten over this stuff by now. But like I remember that era, and it was exciting when you know you'd go to you know uh, what you know uh, Bradley's or whatever, and there'd be some like new toy on the shelf, some new line you had never heard of before, like muscle or oh, yeah. uh, or like or visionary even visionaries uh or no supernaturals not vi- visionary supernaturals where like that hologram technology was mm-hmm. just starting to get developed and, and you'd have these like awesome holograms. it was you know just you know just, just it was so much fun and they seemed to be trying anything in that period like no idea was outlandish they would just if you know if they thought it would sell toys they they went with it and i i think that's lost now i mean you, now you go to walmart 
or or Target because Toys R Us is no more. And you look at the stuff on the shelves, and it's just like okay, Star Wars, Marvel. Um, you have rest. There's a gigantic wrestling section, and not much else, right? There's really nothing unique. They're either established lines, or 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 not. Like it doesn't seem like anybody's trying to to make the the next hot thing. They're just all regurgitating the stuff that's been out for so long. Well, I mean, I think part of that is is just the consolidation. There were just, uh, you know, there were a bunch of toy companies, uh, you know, thirty years ago, and 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 now like they they've just you know gotten bought out and bought it like, you know, to the point where it's it's you know it's like one or two companies. So there isn't like the scrappy little guy who's who's trying to you know topple the giants and, and come up with some you know some bold, desperate move that reinvents things. But I mean, we're, we're totally the wrong people to ask. Right. This stuff. You know, like you, you got to ask a kid and, uh, you know, it, I mean, you know, uh, you know what Roblox or whatever, like, you know, like they're, they're in, they're into, you know, these, um, you know, multi-user games and stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so it's, it's a world that would basically be invisible to us. It's, you're not going to see it on a store shelf. Yeah, the apps are the new toys, I think. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I showed my kids Mad Balls the other day, and they were just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, what the hell are these? <laughs> I I said these are little round, spongy bits of awesome, you know, because I I have uh-huh. all of them, and well, the first couple waves, and um, they're fascinated by them, and you, you just. Now they're back again at at yeah at boutique prices, but right ex- exactly. But um, we pulled those things off the shelves for peanuts back in the day, and then again, it's like one of those. And this makes me sound old, but I don't care. We didn't really know how good we had it. You know, as time marches That's on, you, you forget yeah. just how wonderful it was. Well, you you take it now. It's, it's information overload. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all like. Everything, like everything we've seen, like come to pass in like the past ten, fifteen, twenty years, are like, like isn't it like all things you like wished for? Like, didn't you wish you'd be able to, you know, watch every episode of like whatever your favorite show is and watch it when you wanted to, and just have this like endless supply of of entertainment? And that that if you had that, then you wouldn't you wouldn't have a care in the world. Like all your all your problems would be taken care of because you'd just be able to, you know, disappear into this. This world of never-ending entertainment, and like now we have that, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, it doesn't solve anything. Can I answer that question? Um, <laughs> yeah, my my answer is no. <laughs> I, I never wished for that. I I dislike all of this accessibility where everything is available at your fingertips, and I I just a product of of when I came up. I remember waiting for a certain movie to come on, a movie I loved, and I would record it with a cassette tape player. I would record the movie, just the audio, obviously, because it was a cassette tape, and I would listen to that over and over and over. And it, it wasn't so much... The, 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 the love of that stuff is partly the, the object of, of my love, right? But it's also the quest for the object, that, that to attain the object. And the quest was... As fun and as memorable as the object itself. And we don't have that quest anymore. If you want to buy something, you go on eBay, bang, and you buy it. 
or you want to watch something, you press a button and it comes up on your screen. Like, I hate that. <laughs> that is, it's too quick. I mean, how much faster can this world revolve? It just, it's too fast for me. And again, maybe I'm old, but I mean, this, this constant data stream where everything's accessible, I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a good thing at all. <laughs> well, they, I mean, they, well, they the, would, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I, like they would send you on, on like treasure hunts, basically when, when we were kids, it was like, um, you know, okay, this 3d movie is going to be on, uh, uh, you know, this Saturday and you have to go to seven 11 to buy the 3d glasses. Yes. So you can watch it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. And um, another thing, it, m the semester started, and I have my kids doing a movie poster. And they're just like, you know, they know what a movie poster is, but they don't understand the importance of a movie poster. Because now we know about movies months and months before they come out. Sometimes years, right? But back in the day, the movie poster was the only way you knew what was coming out. And you'd, you'd go to the movie theater on a Saturday afternoon. You'd watch your movie. And as you were going in or coming out, there'd be a line of movie posters showing you what this theater was going to get. And you're just like, holy crap, look at these things. This is coming out. Like, I can't wait to see that. Now there's no anticipation. Mm -hmm. There's no – you know what's going to happen. A lot of times you even know the plot points of the movie. You know the, the, the major things. that, are, And it's just – there's no – sense of wonder or there's no there's no build up it's all immediate gush of of here get it now i want it right now and and it's just i think there's something lost in 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 that ease of accessibility no nobody has to work for anything anymore oh well, it's it, it's that the Instagratification of digital comics, but it's 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 the not 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 needing, not having the. They don't have to go to the comic shop and hunt for back issue bins. Not to bring that up sucks. this old chestnut again, that but sucks. I mean that's that's part of one of the things that you know it's that made the this hobby so exciting for us. And yeah. and and I need to go out and find this issue or, or going through the ads and in, in CBG or something like that. And and here, you know, now I can just go to my comic shop or right you know, I, it's it's, it's I, I guess go online go to ebay right i guess what i'm saying is it's hard to savor the 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 beloved points uh, things in life when they just stream and buy this quick you really can't enjoy them so, right. i, 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 I shouldn't say the information overload right it's it's attacking your senses and it's like you don't it's like i can i i have my phone in my hand and i can play hundreds of games while looking up something on Wikipedia and finding out what the uh what what the big reveal is in the movie that's coming out this weekend. And it's I, I just why 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 do you need to to live like why why must you why do you have to ruin the experience for other people? So so now you know everything that's gonna happen on this show or in this movie because you binged it. Someone else can't you know, so you're going to spoil it for them. But it's it's those it's one of those things where you, I normally most people want to absorb information and 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 better themselves and and enrich 
Well, I, I, yeah, it, I, I think but, you're being a little too gracious with that, but that, I, we get it. Yeah. But you have people who are just like who who just feel like they need to know, so this way they know. And and, and there's no there's there's no um there's no thirst, there's no hunger. You're no. not you're not looking for the information because you 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 feel it's missing in your life. You want it because you're hoarding it. And and I that's there's yeah, there, there's there's just every once in a while and I'm I'm starting to get into the habit now of just unplugging and and kind of ah. just Ah, some, something you criticized me for doing. No, I would never do that. Okay, love you, but uh, we don't want to get on. We don't want to get on the old guy horse. There's too a long. difference between that and and just ignoring your friends. But go ahead. <laughs> so, Tom, um, were did you actually back in the day? Were did you collect these things? What go what? Anything? What what were anything. some? Yeah, what were your some of your? Well, uh, I mean. I mean, just, just like like what you guys were saying, like, this is like a pretty, like, this is a realization I came to pretty recently that, that, that was kind of shocking but for me. But I, I, I think that my favorite thing about comics, like, like the, enti- the entire thing of comics, was the fact that I was getting doled out this, like, grand, wonderful story in these little, tiny slivers that I had to basically uh, 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 dig for, like like I was a truffling pig or something, mm-hmm. like like you know, like oh okay, here's oh I heard about Jack Kirby's New Gods, oh yeah, that sounds kind of cool. Uh, oh, oh here's issue eleven, you know, here's like the final issue of it. Oh cool, and then read that, and then it's like whoa, you know, like you get a sense of what happened before, and you see the letters column, yeah. and it's like oh two issues ago, that sounds awesome, and then you find I found like issue four and five or no five and six were in like a Baxter reprint. So it's like, I got that other piece like a couple months later. Yeah. And so I'm imagining like all the connective tissue between those, like, Oh man, what kind of stuff happened? But you know, and, and so this story blossomed and grew in my mind over the course of years. Right. Where now, like, I mean, just on Wednesday, they, they put out the new gods and you can just walk into a store, get it, sit, come home. And, and in maybe like an hour, you know, read the entire thing and, and, and be done with it. And I, I don't, I don't think that story is as grand, uh, when you read it that way, like, like it's, it's only because of those weird set of, of very specific historical, uh, things about like the era in which I was looking for this stuff that, that, that made it loom so large in my head. Right. And it wasn't, I I think, I think all of comics is like that. Yeah, exactly. But it, it wasn't in addition to the, the hunt for them, the way the new gods organically appeared where it was jimmy olsen and mr miracle and new gods and forever people you know i mean you're you're getting pieces of a whole over time from the same creative force and it was i mean i experienced it firsthand as they were coming out and i was like what the heck like this is insane um but I, I mean, I was young, so I, I could fully appreciate exactly what, what Jack was doing. But that's, that only came from, from hindsight and, and with age and experience. But I, 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 I would have loved to have been a 20-something as these books were coming out, just so I had the, the – the, I'll, I'll put quotes around it – wisdom of, of semi-advanced 
experience just to 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 properly digest this stuff because when you're a kid and and all these concepts are being thrown at you i mean how many how much of that did i really understand back then you know well i that's i i'm always curious like people who read this stuff before they saw star wars because by the time i read new gods i had already seen star wars empire strikes back return of the jedi so when i would read uh new gods i would sort of like hear the the star wars like theme song playing and and the the laser sound effects it's like like it like star wars kind of gives you a context to like more fully appreciate and understand kirby's fourth like kirby's fourth makes so much sense if you've seen star wars but i just wonder what it's what it's like to like you know when it came out you know and and there's no such thing as star wars like 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 how would you even be able to process that 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 stuff that's going on in there I think it's very biblical. I think Jack took a biblical approach to um, the story, fathers and sons, right? And it, it's 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 very yeah. much the, the whole lineage and 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 how these good and evil forces are mismatched and shuffled around, and how they interact with each other. And I, I think that's it's it's a very um, it's, uh, there's the word. It's a very biblical approach, and. Um, I I have put off buying the New Gods Omnibus because I don't want it all in one place. It's right? a very different experience. I mean, I, I, I didn't buy it either, but I have all the issues. And, you know, there came a day in my life when I had every issue of New Gods. And then I sat down and read it all in order. And, I mean, it's wonderful. It's my favorite comic ever. But it, it, it there was a little bit of anticlimax, you know, a little bit of like, oh, uh, you know, it just it didn't. It didn't seem as as uh, as epic as it did when I was just reading right. them, you know, scattered across time and, and out of order. As a Kirby fan, I, I want you to be honest. And you said that New Gods is your absolute favorite. So yeah. that may be the answer already. But when did you think Jack peaked and with what um, book? Yeah, I mean, like... I mean, he's, I think Frank Miller said this, you know, Jack Kirby's like the Himalayas. There's multiple peaks. There's like okay. peaks in every issue. But yeah, for me personally, it re- like, I, I don't, you can't deny it that that those like that first year or two when he was working on at DC, there were just all these things coming together for him, like personally and professionally, where he just, he made his very, very best work. It, it, and it was, it was, you can narrow it down to issues. You can narrow it down to you know the the new gods number seven, Mr. Miracle number nine, and, and then the issues that are kind of around in and around that era. It's like he's like, I I am at a new place that appreciates me, that lets me do what I want, and and I get full credit. I don't have to share credit with anybody, and I get to do it my way. And I'm telling my stories, and I had you know eight years of perfecting this technique at Marvel. Like I re- I really have my voice now. And now I'm going to I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to put everything into it. And he did that. And and they're they're wonderful. They're they're great. I like it's it's the summit of, of, of his of his career. And then, oh, Jack, you know, that stuff's a little too out there. The kids don't understand. The college kids love it. But uh, it's, it's over the heads of kids. It's, it's canceled. And then he just like never completely recovered from it. He did other things that were somewhat ambitious and, and, and that, that he was interested, but it was never that like firing all on all cylinders. Like it was for that sort of magical moment that, that might, might've been a year. It might've been a year, maybe, maybe two years. 
Right. What's your opinion of the hunger dogs? Hunger dog. It's well. Okay. I I still want DC to publish. There's that uh, on the road to Armageddon story that Kirby did that got rejected and then got you know reshuffled and changed and added and became hunger dogs. They've still never published that thing. They published these like little pass- postage stamp size version of it in like the the last omnibus they did but like i want to see that thing published as a comic because right. i think that's a beautiful wonderful story that the world needs to see uh and, and they really haven't seen you know unless you like scrounge around for it you know on, on on the internet or whatever but um but hunger dogs i was super disappointed when i finally read it like, when, like when i you know it's like okay the, kirby's gonna end the new gods and you have in your head what that's gonna be and how wonderful that would be and you read it and it's like mm, yeah this isn't it but um, you know, as I, you know, as I've gotten older and, and sort of had to, like, it's an ending. He very rarely got to, to give an ending to any of his works. And this is one of the few times where he did get to do an ending. And he was at a very different stage of his life when he did it. This, this is the work of, of a man, you know, approaching the end of his life. It was melancholy and, uh, uh, anticlimactic and, and, uh, sad and, but, there's like a truth in it and and it's it's an it's an ending to new gods it's not it's not the ending he would have done if he had gotten to you know keep barreling through you know uh, uh, but it's it's an ending and and so like i'm thankful for that and uh you know i i i think i think there's also something there like i would love uh you know for someone to make like a movie adaptation or maybe one of those like dc direct animation adaptations of hunger dogs where you could kind of use it as like your source material and your inspiration and maybe just kind of segue in a couple of those like moments that that like we wanted to see as like fans of this stuff and and you could you could make a mass a masterpiece out of it but and, you know so it's I, I i i keep coming back to hunger dogs too it's one of those things like it it didn't it didn't satisfy the way i wanted it to satisfy but it's it's fascinating and and so I think there's something there. It's uh, you know those things that that just kind of stick in your craw and you keep coming coming back to, the, you know there, there's there's something there. I agree. Uh, you pulled the one word that that I would use to describe it. it is very anticlimactic, and I I have I have it on the shelf, and I'll occasionally go back to it in hopes that the events within will change. <laughs> and somehow you know the, this magical book that that evolves over time and the 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 plot line plays out within the confines of the book and it just gets better and and more satisfying and it never does it's it's all obviously it's always the same um but if i had to pick I, you probably know what i'm going to say for kirby's peak i think it's commandy mm-hmm. yeah i i as much as i love new gods i don't think he ever got better than commandy i mean it's the perfect comic for uh, a 12 year old boy yeah and and he got he got to have his say on like he had what he wanted to accomplish with commandy and he he got you know he got the real estate to accomplish it which he didn't get with those other books yeah dap what's your favorite uh, what what is your your pick for kirby's peak (sighs) How awesome is it that we're all picking stuff that came after Fantastic Four? Like the yeah. guy, the guy creates the greatest super team in the history of comics, and and we don't pick that, you know? <laughs> well, it's I, 
See, I think I was that was Fantastic Four was what I initially leaned toward. I because I I, I feel I I totally respect um untethered and, and freeform Kirby because we got some fantastic stuff from that. But I feel that I enjoy Kirby more when he is working with someone. And and for me that probably would be the Fantastic Four. Um Wow. I yeah, I mean I because I've also I haven't read a ton of Commandy. I haven't read the bulk of his New Gods work. I haven't read a lot of New Gods, period, but I haven't read the majority of, of, of his take on his creation. I Yeah, I, I don't... It's He is... Whereas I, I love creators who go on and, and create and... Um, I mean, it doesn't apply to Jackson's a lot of his most of his work was for the big two and and I, I think um he's yeah I, I I I would probably I don't know if it's playing it safe or just hedging my bets but it, it's I, I think for me I don't see I don't want to say peak I just I think that that is that to me those those hundred odd issues with withstand and but i think that that is it that that's not me looking at at just his art that's not me looking at um and necessarily the stories that that they told but i it's fantastic four is a hell of a lot more accessible to me than than his dc stuff Okay. Well, yeah. Love is DC I mean, stuff. I can respect it, but I just that there's this there's, there's a, I guess I something's kind of there's no disconnect really, but there's just something a little something missing for me there. I mean, Fantastic Four like that that gets the medal. Like that's 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 the when people talk about like oh what's the what's the greatest you know moment in superheroes or whatever. Like Fantastic Four is is I think generally acknowledged as like that's. That, that would be the answer on Jeopardy, you know, like, uh, fantastic. Yeah. 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 Stan, Stanley, Jack Kirby, uh, fantastic four. It's, uh, you know, you can't, you can't argue against it. Like, like, uh, I mean, for, and, and I, I love it. I mean, for me, it's the DC stuff, but I mean, there's, there's a run of that fantastic four stuff that is just like, man, this is as good as it gets. You got the beautiful Senate inks you got, and, and, uh, you got, you got Jack and, and yeah, you got Stan at the top of his game. I mean, like nobody can do patter, like like Stan and like when the chemistry between those three people when it clicked it was you know it was like it was like a great a great band. I, I think I I when I when I look at Stan's collaborators, um, the the best, and it's not obviously it, it has nothing to do with longevity, but I think when it came to who he worked best with. I it would have to be Jack for me. I yeah, there were thirty odd issues of Amazing Spider Man, but I I I tend to to 
and I'm not saying that obviously Fantastic Four does have a lot of Kirby. There's Kirby all up and through that, so it's not like it's Stan wrote these characters and Jack just drew it. But I, I don't see, and I, I don't see Stan as 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 this great wordsmith. And 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 I, when I read early Amazing Spider-Man, I see more Ditko there than I see Stan. Whereas with Fantastic Four. Um, there's there's obviously a lot of Jack in those characters, but I think Jack's pictures and the words on the page, I, I, I think that was a team that um, I just, when I look at, because even Stan and, and Steve on Doctor Strange, it's just, I think Stan and Jack were just a, if if you have to, Name them both, and 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 they're in the credits box, and it it may pain people to hear that. But when I think of the I'm not saying who, anything, I know you are, and I'm trying, and, trying and to keep not. quiet. I know, but if if I have to, yeah. If when I look at the early Marvel bullpen and and, and the early Marvel works, and I see who else Stan worked with even, and, and even, you know, even with the Avengers and things like that. But I think, I think Stan and Jack on fantastic four, um, probably the, not probably, but that's, that's the best of what Marvel had to offer at the time. I love amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. But I, I cannot say that Stan and Steve worked as well together or, or created things as magical as what Stan and Jack did fantastic for. Right. That's the exact word I would use. Um, magic. Um, specifically alchemy, because these guys... Oh, great word, yeah. Yeah, these guys created out of nothing. Paper, pencil, mm-hmm. sweat, ideas. We, we talk about... I mean, if you want to get into Grant Morrison territory the the tulpa is is a, a creation based on the power of thought a, a real living breathing entity that was willed into existence by the power of thought the fantastic four is somewhat like that for me like i see the four as living breathing people the, the, yes their lines on paper and they're flat but there's a lot more to it than that the 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 energy in which stan invested into the dialogue the the magnificence of the 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 images that jack put down on the paper that will never that that pairing and it i'll be honest uh, this is a rare instance where i'm going to be honest about stan lee the pairing of stan and jack will never happen again their 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 work is so unique and so powerful and so pervasive that Fantastic Four, the meeting, the melding of these two creative individuals will never happen on a scale like that ever again. Impossible. It just and, and I know what you say, oh yeah. well, you're limiting creativity. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but I'm being honest. We'll never see a powerhouse in the musical uh field as potent as the Beatles. Ever right. again, right? We will right. never see a collaboration on the comic book page that rivals Stanley and Jack Kirby. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I, so, yes, the the Fantastic Four, man, I love them so much, but there's something about Commandy that speaks to sure. me. And then that's the subject, subjective, objective 
assessment of the work. Do I think the visuals in Commandy are as accomplished as the visuals in Fantastic Four? The 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 objective side of me says, well, no, they're not. <laughs> they're just not. <laughs> and then the subjective ones like. There are apes swinging on vines, shooting rifles, and giant grasshoppers, and beautiful topless women, and freaking fire dog ladies, scientists. and dog scientists. It's like, holy shit, and, and cheetahs, and alligators, and it's – but see, that's the thing. It, he tapped into something, this boyhood something that's just like the gosh, gow, gee, gosh golly gee whiz that the Fantastic Four doesn't have that for me. Yes, you have cosmic beings like Galactus that is very hard to wrap your mind around Galactus or Eternity or, you know, all of that. But Commandy has Click Clack and Sacker and, 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 and Apes. And it's just, it's the perfect boyhood comic book. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know how else to say it. But, but the, while we're on the subject. We are, I mean, obviously, Kirby is, is beloved to, to Tom and myself. And there are some artists that are beyond criticism in my book. And there's only, there's only three that, yes, we look at their work and the, the, the clinical objective assessment of their work is they didn't stay good over the, the width of their careers. But the subjective is like, no, nah, it's all good, right? There's three guys like that for me. Obviously, Kirby. Number two is Frank Miller. I, I, I just adore everything that Frank Miller has ever put down on a page. And, you do? And the third is Joe Kubert. I, I cannot look at a Joe Kubert drawing with anything other than love. I don't believe he ever produced a bad drawing. I'm sure there's some out there. But I've never seen him, right? right. It's just this there, – there's, there's something about the way that man drew that just instantly transfers to, into love in my eyes. You guys have – I mean, other than Kirby, do you guys have artists that you just – they are the perfect the – perfect well, I know you do, but this is more a question for Tom. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 do you have um, untouchables? In, in I mean, your, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on Miller. Like I, I'm, I'm really happy that he's still making comics because mm -hmm. it. I mean, it really looked for a minute there, like you know, like we were gonna lose him. Maybe like yep. you know, he just you know for a while. And I'm so glad he's he's doing. And and every new Miller comic that comes out, like I learn something from it. I I I you know you know he's he's the guy. He's the guy. Like but I mean before I I knew Kirby, I knew Miller. You know, uh, so yeah yeah I'm I'm. Miller's definitely one of those. Uh, I love you so much, and, Tom. I just wanted to say uh, that. <laughs> how great are those mini comics that were with Dark Knight Three, and the fact that they were mini comics? Like, oh, they're great. They're just really, you know, subversive and, <laughs> and just, you know, so great. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think like other, other. Art, I mean, like I'm a big Wally Wood fan. You know, yeah, like, he's just, you know, anything and. And yeah, speaking of Stan, like how great would it have been if like Stan and Wally Wood could have figured out a way to get along, you know, long enough to, to make some more comics? Because like I, th I thought they were really 
they were really cooking on on Daredevil, and I would have loved to have seen that go on. It's yeah. it's almost like you have like Kirby could tolerate Stan for the longest amount of time, and then Ditko a little less, and then Wally Wood just you know like didn't didn't even last a year. Right, Wally didn't suffer fools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I can't say the same thing about Neil Adams. I I adore a lot of Neil Adams's work. Neil now is. I don't know. I, I just, I, 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 the magic seems to have been leached out of his work. Yeah. And that's maybe just and a product you know, of age. It, it, but also, but it, I mean, it, it's weird. I'd like to say that if, if he just, if he just gave you Batman Odyssey and the, the coming of the Superman or things like that, if he just drew that the way he wants to draw or whatever, then, you know, hey, that's just, just like Frank, he's he's changing things up. He's a little crazy, and that's cool. And I'm digging those stories. But the fact that Neil, for what it's not for whatever reason, but it, just Neil decides to go back and redraw shit that withstood the test of time, and for some reason now, twenty thirty years later, okay, no, I don't like I don't like the look of, of Superman's face there. I don't like that Batman head. I don't. And it's just like don't don't. Put your twenty teens style on these images from the nineteen seventies. I just I leave it alone, and and I, that the fact that he does that irks me more than anything he's doing presently in comics today. But you're a traditionalist, though. You don't want the work touched under any circumstance. But you have to admit, he feels a level of ownership with that stuff because he produced it. So he feels like it's okay for him to go back and and rework it. And I have to agree with him on that. It, I mean, if I did a painting 20 years ago and I look at it now, I'd be like, what the frig was I thinking? I would, mm. it, I would definitely rework stuff. It's just the, the artist okay. never then, stops. Then give, give people both versions. It, yeah. Okay, that's fair. And and just let let the let, let let the chips fall where they may because I it's it's like if all of a sudden if I'm watching the big sleep and then I Kevin Smith decides to colorize it and 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 Jay and Silent Bob are hanging out in the background while Lauren Bacall is singing and it's like why why are you just like like I don't it's it, a good that, idea that's how jarring it it appears to me is that like here's this here's this practically flawless film and and now you're going to just noodle with it because 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 you can or because you think it can be fixed and it's like but then but that's not the way you were thinking back then you're not you fixing something today that that's all hindsight and and that's not that's that doesn't fit in i mean yeah it's just lines on paper so you know it doesn't matter if if superman's snarl is a little bit more prominent in this new panel, but back then he was kind of bland looking and it really didn't fit with the conversation he was having with Jimmy. I just, it, you don't need to create new things, just create new things. Don't worry about going back and fixing what someone may or may not ask you if they dare to come up to your table without being begged for money. Wow. Why did you draw this? I, I, I'm, I'm scared. Okay. And you, and 
Tom mentioned it when Tom mentioned it when when he said, you know, the new gods. And and you you said it yourself when you said I, I'm not buying the omnibus because I I have not I have not pulled the trigger on hard traveling heroes because I don't want it all in one volume. Right. I love my issues. One of the first one of the first back issue, big back issue buys I ever made was the issue with Speedy on the cover. Oh, and the drug issue. Shoot up. Yep. Yeah. That was that was one of the very first issues where I actually spent dollars on a back issue. And you know, the kind of back issue that you see on the wall at a comic shop. I'm not mm. just talking about some random issue of Mage no. or anything like that. Just right. but so this was and I I love those Baker's half dozen issues. I just, I, I think that was what Denny and Neil did with those two characters just made me fans of those two particular characters for life, but just did something that wasn't being done in comics. And I will, I will own each of those issues again. And I won't, no matter how many times I see a discount, no matter how many times I see that that hardcover of hard traveling heroes, I won't buy it. And and part of it is because I am scared that Neil had redrawn something in there. Uh-huh. But I also don't want to deal with the whole coloring aspect of it. I don't want to just turn the page and read the next issue because it was a bi monthly book. I just I I don't I don't want the ease of use. I don't want to be able to sit down and read all these issues. When I want to pull well, them off the shelf, well, I that's want because to. you want to experience it in the way you did when it was originally, and those old ads. And right, I mean, right. yes, and there's just something about. I mean, I, I bought, I did buy the um, the 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 seven odd issue reprints that because uh, because they gave you two issues and it was on the glossy paper and Neil um, spruced up. Uh, he he did covers for them and and I. I don't know if I had the entire seven or so issues, but um, yeah, I, I, that's that'd be a grill for me to, to be able to go into a con and and start buying those issues again. But um, yeah, I, I just I, I bought my wife the illustrated Neil Adams when he he's got um, he's got a couple of uh, volumes of, of Batman and and she's I think I got her maybe the first one and and yeah and and there's some. There are some panels that he decided to redraw on that, and it's 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 just. And but what's what's weird though is that they're so they're so obvious. It's not like he even tried to feather anything or or paste. It's just it's it, it's drawn as if he was drawing it today, and that and and it's just that one. It's like a head on no shoulders with all the other characters or horses in the background, but nothing else has been retouched. Just that head, and it stands out like a sore thumb. But it's it's his work, though. I, I know it is, but see, no, his work would be if he decided to redraw Crazy Man or or, or Megalith. This is this is not this is, this, and DC's obviously letting him do it. And that's fine. It's their property. They, you know, sure. It's Neil Adams who's going to say no. But it was but a product of it, his hands. It's back I, then. So, so okay. So leave it alone. It begs the question. There's those, no, so, so those hands back then aren't the same hands as today. So there's no room. A little bit more. There's no room 
for evolution of art in your perception of comics? No, you, that's not true. No, I'm asking. I Oh no, 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 of course there's there's room for evolution. Hell yeah. Dude, we just got them talking about Frank Miller. But what I'm saying is and evolution I, mean meaning this thing is changing. Where it was produced originally in one form, and now the artist decides right. to go back and rework it. That's an evolution no, then, of that image. Then you image. Re, then you, re, then you rework the whole thing. Then you decide to retell. Then then you oh, do, now you're putting restrictions on Sand. it. No 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 no. Then you do Gus Van Sant's Psycho. Now now go ahead and do your thing. Tell your story beat by beat and and redraw it. And and now you and, and so now now we're getting the entire thing. In your new style, in your new hand. No, no, no. Don't just pick and choose. I don't like the way Robin looks back here. I don't like the way Alfred brought in his sandwich. And it's just like, I just, I don't. You got I, rules. I do. You got rules. But Tom, it's, it's just. I, <laughs> would you ever go back yeah, and re- rework some of your, I mean, your previously published stuff? I, I totally understand that impulse. I, under, I understand why George Lucas does it. With, like, I get it because you see stuff and it bothers you, and it's like, I sure. wanted it to be a different way. And, like, as, as, a, as a creator, you're like, I meant it to look this way, it came out this way, I'm like, and it bothered, and you assume the whole world is thinking the same thing. The whole world is like, man, that, that eyeball is not quite in line with that, other, you know, or whatever the issue is. But, yeah, like, you see, like, the, you as the guy who drew it, you see that nobody else sees it maybe maybe like 0.0001% of the audience sees it so like like i i mean i try to resist that temptation but i i totally get, i get that impulse like there are things right i would love to but it's just life's too short you got to you got to move forward you you know but uh you know i'm all for a constantly uh evolving piece of art like i think it would be a great project and i wish i started it 20 years ago to create a, an image a painting and add to it every year. Yes. Sig- significantly, right. not just, you know, and, a little Debbie Yellow here, just like. And that's a project. And that's, that would be amazing. That, so you have your mindset that I'm going to, th- th- this painting is going to organically evolve with me. As I get older, this painting is going to, I, it's going to grow with me. I love that idea. But once you've sensed, I, and it, it's by no means it is, on any scale it, i'm not putting it on on the same pedestal as as lucas redoing star wars or anything that tom wants to see sees any flaws and i i do it at work in in, in little stupid little things like you know, i send out an email and i wish i worded that differently and it's but it's one of those things where it's like well it, it's out there now i can't i totally i would love to see someone paint something I'd, I'd love to see that, Vince. I, I would love to see you do something and then add to it as as the months and years go by, and and we all see as we all see it evolve. And well, now it's that possible. is to me that I think I got that, twenty years that to left. Me is that easy? And but that is different than someone saying, "Okay, this comic book, this story was published." 35 years ago it's been reprinted countless times this story meant something in the grand scheme of things and now i'm going to make small tweaks i'm going to alter it 
every so often. Not the entire thing, just little things that I think were... Did they bother him back then? I don't know. I don't know if he's just like, you know, listen, because of time. And again, that that's the other thing. This is... This is all part of this is part of the job. You 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 have a deadline. You have to get things done. That's the work you did. Is John Romita Jr. going to go back and, and redraw Uncanny X Men panels or or Superman panels? It's like I, just this is this is what you had to work with. This is this is a representation of what you did when you were younger, based on the tools and the time you had. You can't. You it's not a time machine. You can't go back and because anybody looking at it now. But you can go back in time because it does exist in its original form. And if you want to experience it the way it originally existed, there is a back issue. Now there is a collected edition. Oh, and you can buy the back issue. Right. That has altered panels, but, but it's a different beast. You, and it's you, not, and that's not the same thing that you just said. It's a different piece. Yeah, the words are the same. No, no, no one changed Denny's words, or, it, but it's still, it, I, I it's, I'm, I'm not going to say it's like, it's like Coletta erasing lines or anything like that. But it's you, and and if, it's not even that. I know, and therefore, you know, um, I, it, it's offensive to everybody. It's one of those things where if if we gave if we gave a Neil Adams book to a, a, a collection where he decided to redraw things to someone who's never read the original issue, and if they didn't know, okay, great, that's cool. You still got the point across. The story was told. That's one of your favorite Batman stories. Now, I'm I'm happy for you, but. It, it does. There is it, and I never said it was rational. It, it's just it, right. Well, that's again. It, it's the subjective objective um, assessment of it. It means it, it something just, to it, you as a thing because you felt. Just something. I, I, I have more respect. I have more respect for someone who's just like, listen, warts and all. This is what I did at the time, and I, I got to stand by it. Yeah. Okay. Great. You have the ability to go back and and now change things because you have either the time on your hands or you've learned how to manipulate things in manga studio. I don't. But it's just it doesn't. I don't see aside from making yourself feel better because now it looks like the way you think it should look. It it doesn't it doesn't change anything. The original work is still out there and and that's it it, it, it it's self-serving and and okay. there's nothing wrong with that and that's neil and that's great and and you know but i just 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 leave it alone it, it was a product of its time that's how it should stand that, I, got that's, you. I got you let's let's swing this back to mr sholey um uh, yes. back to the gobots so is this a is the series an ongoing or is it just a, a maxi series and what's the format? It's it's a mini series. It's five issue mini series. Okay. With and, the uh, prospect of more, if it if it does really well, or is it just this is just you're going to say what you have to say and then move on? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say what I have to say and 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 move on. I mean, you know, uh, I I you know, wouldn't rule out, you know, returning to it at some, some point, but yeah, I, I sort of have like a story I'm, I want to tell and I'm going to 
I'm going to tell it. And then, and then as soon as I'm done with GoBots, I'm going to uh, get back to the Jack Kirby biography and spend like maybe like another year or so and, and finish that. We have, uh, I solicited questions for you from our patrons. And um, one of them asked if the, uh, the Kirby stuff is ever going to be collected. This is uh, John O. asks, any plans for a collection of the Kirby Instagram project? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. Yeah, and, and there's, there's, you know, something that's sort of, you know, com- coming together as we speak. So, so yeah, uh, yeah, there's, it's, it's definitely, I mean, that, w- that was always the plan was, was that it be a book uh, at some point. So, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Caleb um asks uh what's your reaction to being so heavily compared and juxtaposed with kirby <laughs> um yeah i mean pride I mean, it, <laughs> yeah it was uh i mean it was like by design i mean i it was it was never a surprise because my in my intent uh you know as a young man was i want to like i want to do what kirby does i want right. i want to draw like i want to think like like it was it uh you know, like that's what I wanted. So, so yeah, it's not, it's not some thing that like I was trying to hide or ashamed or, or, or surprised of it. Like, yeah, that, I mean, it's, I, I, I mean, I, um, it's interesting now because I feel like the past few projects that I've done to my eyes, and I think this gets back to like the whole, like what Neil Adams sees versus what we see when he looks at his work. But like to my eyes, like I feel like my work hasn't really looked that much like Kirby in a while, but the comparison is still there. So obviously it's still, you know, like, like that, that Kirby approach is always, always going to be, uh, you know, a part, part of my DNA. Like, it's just, you know, he, he left, he left that mark. I, but I feel, I feel like, um, like I, I'm starting to like sort of leave that behind a little bit, but, but it happened in like an organic way. It's not like one day I said, okay, no more Kirby. It's just kind of, you know, just, just it's just the direction where my work's going i think once i started coloring my own work i think that was a big a big part because um then it it, it just like i i started to focus more on the whole rather than just you know the these line the line work because when when you're just thinking in terms of lines i mean how do you not go into kirby land i mean that's just it's just you're just doing line drawing so much fun putting all those squiggles in and the the hard corners and, and stuff now, do you think that transferring the spirit of Kirby into your work has helped you or, or hindered you in terms of marketability? Like, I, I yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely, it gave me a hook early on. Like, it, it kind of, like, the Kirby got you know, it kind of, like, I, and I, I've gotten jobs as a result of that hook as opposed to just being, you know, just another, just another artist out there. Um, but, uh, like, I think as an artist, like, I think, um, like, I really like where I'm at now creatively. And I feel like I could have maybe gotten there sooner if, if I, like, if I had focused more on, like, who am I as opposed to like, Oh, I really want to be like Jack Kirby. And I think it is like, just, you know, when you're young, it's like, it's just, I, I think 
part of it, like, I mean, part of it was a huge love of Kirby and just, like, wanting to, like, be a part of that and do something like that. But I think part of it was, like, the insecurity that, like, a young artist has where it's like, why would anybody want to hear anything from me? Why would anybody want to look at things that look the way I draw them? People don't want to hear it from me. They want to hear, you know, I, like, I want to make something like Kirby. People want to hear from Kirby. They, they, don't, they don't care what I have. Where, like, I, I, I wish I would have, you know, just sort of, you know, at an earlier age, kind of, uh, you know, foster, like, tried to figure out, like, who I am and, and what my voice is, you know, like, visually. And, um, but, but, I mean, you, you know, you take the road you take, and this is the road I took, and I, I like where I'm at, so whatever, you know, whatever road I took to get there, I'm, I'm, you know, it was, it was all for the best. Right, right. Well, Kirby's a part of my creative process to this day. I mean, he's the man who made me want to go into art as a as a as a um a way of of making money and and as a kid you don't worry about how you're going to make money you know you're a kid but i looked at his work and i said i want to do this someday and it wasn't specifically i want to make comics someday it was i want to draw these powerful energetic larger than life drawings i want to capture energy like this guy i it it was very specific to kirby it wasn't just i want to draw it's like i want to draw these giant flying sharks and i want to draw gnarly fingers with these weird fingernails and 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 muscles that are just everywhere it's it's, it's just it, it was very specific to jack and now even when i put a pencil to the paper jack is it sounds really weird, but but that the spirit of Kirby is is in the back of my head, in the back of my mind, like whispering in my ear, "You sucker, you got to do it this way." Like, it, how would Jack do it? I always think of that when I draw, and it's just like, how do you get away from that? Do we need to get away from that? You know, if if the influence was that strong, isn't it something that we should embrace instead of trying to distance ourselves from it and and that's what attracted me to your work is your unabashed love for it where you said yeah this is the way it should be done and i'm gonna do it just like this you know i'm gonna take that spirit and run with it and that and that's what i try and do but it's just it, it's amazing how a man we've never i don't know about you but i've never met jack kirby yeah i've never met him either. It, it's amazing how a man we've never met could influence our lives to the degree that jack has and that's not just us. I mean, Eric Larson, like you, you, you read mm -hmm. these, these interviews with, with comic book artists and, and other artists in, in whatever field they chose to work in where they always say, yeah, Jack Kirby, he was the man. And it's just like, wow, that's incredible that this man's legacy is, is so freaking powerful. And he was just a, a rube sitting at a drawing board doing what he did to make money, you know, but there, there will never be another. Yeah, he lived his life on that paper. Like, like, uh, just like looking at his life story, you know, he did all kinds of stuff in his younger years. But then he reached an age, like, especially like after World War II, where he went into his basement and sat at his drawing table and he did not want to come out of there. Like, and he, and, and he, you know, like lived his life on that paper. And that's, that's sort of why we're able to like, you know, really, uh, yeah, have that, that powerful like effect. Uh, like on us and, and why we're able to sort of like, you know, feel his, 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 uh, 
presence uh, because he, he really like he, he gave it his all. He, he put he put it all on the paper. He didn't he didn't leave anything anything out. Right, right. So so what are you reading that's really floating your boat these days? Um, I've been like rereading uh, Daredevil Man Without Fear. I got like a nice uh, collection Ooh. of it, you know, from back in like the eighties or whatever, like, like, uh, on nice uncoated paper, you know, so, I, cause I have like all the issues, but it's like, you know, like it, it's hard to like sort of dig through and like, Oh, here's this issue. Here's, you know, but having the collection, it's been really enjoying it a lot. It's, it's, uh, you know, something, something like, you know, have come back to a bunch of times. Cause it's, it's like one of the last Millers that I read and, and I didn't quite, it didn't quite click with me at first. Um, <laughs> Because I because I I was reading it it was like a collection from like sometime in the two thousands and it was on glossy paper and the colors were were too saturated and it just you know I, I didn't get it it didn't work for me and then when I you know saw like the newsprint version then I'm like oh okay now I now it works now I understand and and, uh, and I'm just like I'm so in love with those um, like the early Miller Daredevil is like such a sweet spot that I feel like you know like. When, when people sort of are, are working in sort of like a post Miller way like that, they, they kind of neglect that part. And, and it was such a nice blending of like, just like the fun acrobatic superheroics with like some of the angst and the, the, you know, grit, grit and the crime. Like it's, it's, it's a really like, like a really winning combination. And, and, and so like when I first read, uh, born again it was like oh this isn't that this is something else but now like I, I really appreciate what it is and and i love the fact that it just sort of came out as like it was just for a while it was just the normal daredevil comic it was just like okay here's what's happening to daredevil now it wasn't some event like dark knight returns or, or you know it's just you know it's the, here's here's the next couple chapters of of the life of daredevil yeah i think it was the last great run to come out of marvel truly great run i mean what what could rival miller's daredevil that that that's you know the first and the second i I lump them together we'll just call Mm -hmm. it we'll just call it miller's daredevil but what in the marvel uh what has marvel produced since that that could ever rival that yeah yeah it's it's is there anything down uh, yeah, we throw around J- rival. Jason Aaron stuff. Like, yeah, the Thor's great, but is it Miller's Daredevil? You know, it, it's. And I, I, I feel like it's been a while since the writer and the artist were like equal partners, and that that uh, Daredevil, uh, that that uh, you know, Mazzucchelli and Miller, like it really felt like like, like these two guys are are really vibing off of each other and like you could you know you couldn't picture one without the other yeah even i mean at that this era gave us um we had uh simon's in store we still had Mm -hmm. burns fantastic four but yeah no it's definitely definitely um miller on on daredevil because even when you had when you had Klaus pitching in on art, um, and then the crescendo was was born again with Mazzucchelli, there's yeah, I, I would um, 
I would definitely say that. I yeah, I would I would definitely back Vince up with uh, with that being the 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 last at least because I it, it kind of goes back to the whole Beatles analogy. It's like who? Yes, we've had we've had some pretty cool things, like you said, with, with Aaron's Thor, even there, Aaron's Ghost Rider. I mean, they've been neat and cool stories, but anything that just had you that was jaw dropping or or made you put the issue down, I, I have no idea how the hell they're going to top that. Now, I mean, everything's got the whole here's the big surprise or cliffhanger but back then buying those issues off off the rack and seeing what the hell was going to happen to, to daredevil of all characters I mean, no one cared about daredevil so it's like yeah you can do whatever you want to him but it, it's i and you know how i feel about born again anyway so it, it's it's going to be very hard for me to ever say that that's not one of marvel's best stories ever yeah that cat Cat's too close. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm hearing hearing some weird <laughs> stuff over there. She, she is, yeah. Because I, I hold on, I, I think she wants out. That's a, either a Keep giant talking. giant cat or she's really close to the microphone. She's well, she's on my lap now, so ah, I, nice. I'm gonna mute it so I can let her out of the room. So. There you go. Keep talking. Yeah, I just I just had a, a cat scratching on the, the door over here, trying to get in. So, See, yeah. I want a cat so bad. My my two girls are allergic. And mm-hmm. and they give me grief every time I tell them I'm going to get a cat. I just I, I want one, but yeah, what I mean, do you get? I, I'm I'm allergic too. But like our cat, it's like a Siberian, and they're like hypoallergenic. Like their ah. their fur doesn't have an oil, so they don't. It doesn't bother me at all. But it, it might depend on the severity of, of your allergy. Yeah, my my oldest is is severely allergic. Like face swells, eyes mm-hmm. you know, puff out, that kind of wow. thing. Wow. Yeah, she's, she's. I had my headphones. I didn't realize she was that loud. I I had my headphones on, so I didn't obviously hear her. But as soon as I <laughs> took them off, I didn't realize she was. <laughs> it was that cute. Loud. It was cute. Um, so, Tom, are you paying attention to the stuff that's going on under the Black Crown imprint at IDW? Uh, uh tell me. I mean, maybe. I yeah. This is it cool stuff. Like initially i i didn't really pay attention like the they, they put out a, a bunch of books I, I don't even remember the the titles but uh you know punk's not dead stuff like that and and uh, there was a peter milligan book that I, I didn't really pay attention to but for whatever reason i picked up euthanauts i think tom i think you dig this it's uh it's, i like the title yeah it, it's written by teeny howard with art by Nick Robles. And, and as I said, it's published by IDW under the Black Crown imprint. It's freaky. It's freaky stuff. Um, it, it all centers around this, this woman named Thalia Rosewood, right? And, and she's a receptionist at this funeral home, um, King's Fountain Funeral Home. The, the woman is obsessed with death. She spends a lot of time and a lot of brain power thinking about the concept. Like, so she works at a funeral home, and she 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 doesn't leave the job at work. She's just constantly thinking about death, right? So so after work, she meets her friends at a restaurant. Um, there's there's this uh, dialogue going on with her friend Leo quit his job, and he's he's going on about 
you know, how to stay financially solvent uh, with GoFundMe and sponsors and all this crap. And um, as they're talking, Thalia looks across the restaurant and there's a woman um, in the obvious uh, stages of losing a battle with her mortality. Like she's she's bald and she's got the, the portable IV drip, you know. Um, and so this woman kind of captures Thalia's death-obsessed attention, you know. And so she's staring at her and she's looking across the room at her. And, and she's secretly hoping that the woman would die on the spot. Uh, so she could witness the process and hopefully glean evidence that death isn't all that bad like Thalia's a real peach Um, but but the woman is is aware of Thalia's attention and and Thalia goes into the ladies room and the woman's there right Um, and her name is Mercy Wolf and they talk and and you know they're little chit chat here and there and mid-conversation Mercy takes her oxygen tank and, and bonks Thalia on the head. And, and she goes down, near death, near death experience. Why would this woman do that, right? Um, that's what I was thinking as, as I was reading this. And it's explained later on that Mercy is a doctor who has um, a hypothesis that the recently deceased can be tethered to reality by one that's near death. There's a some kind of a cosmic bond between the the two people that once tethered, once um, a person in the 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 waking world, one a person that's alive remembers the deceased, the deceased are tethered to that person. They never really expire. And now there's this brief interstitial uh, sequence featuring these two characters named Cerse and Guillaume. And what these characters are, they're they're psychopomps. Um, Psychopomp is, is an entity that guides the souls of recently departed into the afterlife, but they, they don't call themselves psychopomps. They call themselves euthanauts. That's where the, the, the title comes from. And um, they um, were trying to get Thalia. The, the whole Thalia was chosen, right? Thalia is Mercy's tether. And like I said, without Thalia, Mercy would eventually fade away, and she has stuff to do. So she had carefully picked. Thalia to to be her her her, her tether and there's there's talk talk in the in the book about ego and energy transference and the the whole thing boils down to that death according to mercy is an elimination of the will not an expiration of energy it's it's like we spend most of our waking moments holding our consciousness together through our will and it's exhausting and and mercy also claims that death is is a place not a process so thalia freaks out and mercy comes to her in this dreamlike state and and thalia freaks out and and leaves this illusion of what was her apartment and she goes into this death space 
and she can't breathe. So she conjures herself a helmet and a spacesuit. This is really weird. It's freaky, mm -hmm. right? She conjures a helmet and a spacesuit, and as she does this, this glowing tether stretches from her spacesuit to Mercy. So now Mercy's tethered, right? And um, unfortunately for Thalia, she returns to the waking world in a coffin on top of a funeral pyre. There's this redheaded guy. In the beginning, there's a sequence where this redheaded guy sets fire to a woman. Um, and there's a celebration and, and death is a uh, seen as this, this, this celebratory thing. Whereas at the end of this, you get Thalia in a coffin and she's awake and the guy's going to light the funeral pyre. And in issue two, we find out who this, this man is and what his connection to the process is and just how extensive Thalia's or um, Dr. Mercy's hypothesis goes. And this, uh, this is a series. I won't, I won't get too deep into the second issue because Dap hasn't read it yet, but there's a lot of mileage in this series where, I mean, we're talking about the primal forces of, of creation, right? Life and death. And, and you have, it's, it's all, it's Grant Morrison territory. It really is where, um, there's a woman who's tinkering with the very processes that underlie everything, right? And um, we're seeing it all through the eyes of this woman that's, quote, uh, you know, she's alive. The, you know, the jury's still out on that. But I thought this was wonderful. It's so deep, the, the conceptually rich comic book making. And it's just like I could read this series forever. Now, Dap, you read it, right? Did you did you enjoy this, or did you find it a chore? No, I did not find it a chore at all. It's um, it's it's got a fantastic hook. I am, I I didn't know what to expect. You mentioned it, and and the um, the title intrigued me. Um, I love that uh, nothing is at. I mean, we we as the reader, we're, we're looking at things, and and we think everything's you know the real world, and this is the way it is. But um, there's there's obvious signs that uh, once you're tethered, um, I'm going to say you uh, just, for lack of a better word, it, it, you're going to end up seeing other people who are or were tethered because when, uh, in the second issue, when... Um, yeah. Oh, you did read the when, second issue. I, I'm... I'm, I'm uh, maybe a dozen pages into the second issue uh, it's about halfway through um but don't, when uh don't flip to the last page no of course i'm not gonna flip to the last page but when um when when guillaume and and sir show up we we see um them as they are instead of as, as maybe as they were but it's yeah. see i it, like that sequence but you don't see, I that's, do too. that's the thing is thalia seeing them as they're gonna die or is thalia seeing them as they have died like you don't know she, i think the latter it, it may be a, a precognitive thing where she knows how they're going to expire oh you think you think that's the case she knows how they're gonna die yes 
Okay. Yeah, me too. No, I think I think I think she I think she knows how they did die. I think they are dead. Oh. Okay. Because Tom, one of the but, characters has a bullet hole in her in her forehead. Cersei is a lot like Death from Sandman. Yes. Visually, she looks a lot yes, like she she's is. got the pale skin and the black hair and the, the ripped nylons and the, yeah, yeah. That that was the one thing that I I didn't really care for about the just the visuals that what she's missing is the off by the eye yeah i mean it's very close the representation is very close to death and if you're gonna enter in this kind of territory you're gonna i would think you would want to distance yourself to one of the hallmarks of this type of storytelling you know like don't make your one of your characters look like neil gaiman's death it's just i think you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot right because that's that's a massive yeah, there's, there's, mountain to climb, gonna, right? Yeah. Yep. But no, I'm um what was I gonna say? Oh my god. I think Tully is is a great character. Yeah, yeah. Um I it, it, there's uh yeah, there's 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 enough here that um you get a lot to chew on and, and mull over and it's it is not so it's not necessarily a mystery, but you're not you're not spoon fed. You're not no, not you're, at you're all. You're going to have to go along for the ride, and yeah. and and I absolutely think that's fantastic. And and in case you didn't know, Tom, the the whole Black Crown imprint uh, appears to be edited by um, Shelley Bond. That's that's what I was about to ask. Yeah, if that was Shelley yes. Bond's imprint because it it sounds yep. very much like like a Vertigo type. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah, it definitely and is in another that one. What is it? Oh, House of Mock is also yeah. So yeah, that's that's I, my in your travels. So nice, yeah. But man, this baby, Tom. Uh, there's a, a sequence in the in the book where, uh, as I said, they go into the restroom and and the doctor bonks Thalia on the head and she goes down right and it's a double page spread and you see Thalia spread out on the tiles of the bathroom floor, but some of them are coming up and they're floating in space. And she's surrounded by these glowing butterfly type things that trail off into the the the, the page progresses from from left to right, and the left is the 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 waking world, the bathroom, and as it spreads into the right, it 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 morphs into this darkness of space type thing, and the the butterflies just trail off into the the vacuum of space. And I'm thinking, well, what's with the butterflies? Right? Is it a satana thing where the her soul is a butterfly? Because that was the visual representation of a soul in the satana things was it was a butterfly, right? But they show her apartment and she has like window boxes of butterflies on the wall of her apartment. So it's like they've they've created this fictional world that is like very rich. Like they they've they've put these um, images in, in, in two sequences and they tie together really well. But I mean, it just, it just seems to me like that, that this had, there's a lot of thought that has, has gone into this first issue. Like nothing is just a flash in the pan. Like I'm just gonna draw a butterfly here, like whatever. But there's a, there's a, a statement on the wall that, that ties into the previous statement. And I, I, I appreciated that as a, as someone who like looks for these little details just to enrich my experience in reading this thing, that was there for me. Did, is it 
crucial to the story? Probably not. But it was just another layer on top of this already deep dive that they're doing with this thing. I think this was wonderful. Have you read the um, the, the book that um, Mark Miller did with Greg Capullo? Reborn? I forget the name of it. Yeah, Reborn, Reborn, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I, kind of, I didn't stick with it. I, I mean, I read I read the whole thing. I liked it a lot, and I feel like, you know, like, it's, you know, it's a very different book, but it's like a similar premise, which I, like, I think Miller was always good at coming up with, like, hooks, and it had a good hook where it's like, you know, what happens to you when you die, and then he goes from there and sort of, you know, builds builds his, his universe around. It's it's collected now, so, like, I don't know if you were, like, reading it when it when it was coming out or whatever, but it I, it's worth checking out. It, I, I, feel like, I feel like he... You know, he does a good job of coming up with, like, tying his things up at the end and bringing it together. But I, I thought he did a good job on that one. Oh, there's a satisfying ending? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was afraid okay. of. I got two issues into it, and I was like, mm, uh, for whatever reason. It could have been my mindset at the time. I just didn't finish it. And you saying that it's it's worthy, I, I'll probably go back and read it now. So there you go. That's... um. Uh, Euthanauts, one and two from IDW. I I, I think you should check it out because it's it's very good stuff. It was surprisingly good. I didn't have any preconceived anything going into this. I just picked it up on a whim based on the the title and the 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 the, the cover uh, images that I were very edgy. So I thought, okay, I'll give this a shot. I'm glad I did because it was very enjoyable. Lots mm-hmm. to chew on. Yeah. Yeah, I like the art a lot as well. Yep. You'll have to check it out. Um, like one thing, I don't know if you guys have been following, have you been reading, um, I, 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 Vince, I think you said you were going to wait for the trade, but uh, the uh, Tom King, uh, Mitch Jared's Mr. Miracle? I Yeah, I'm definitely waiting for the trade. I got like two or three issues and I realized where the complexity of the thing and I said, this is going to be better if I just hold off and, and wait till the end. Yeah, I mean, I've I been enjoying I'm, it as issues. Yeah, same. I think, um, the, yeah, I haven't read issue 10 yet. The last issue I read was 9. Yeah, I, I just read 9 last night and, and it's, uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, for it, but it's especially as a Kirby fan, like, there, it's it's very transgressive, and there's there's things where, as a Kirby fan, like and as a fan of these characters, you're kind of, part, you know, part of me is kind of like, hey, you can't, but but it's also like I <laughs> I appreciate the uh, the the uh, you know the the I don't know the the balls or whatever. Yeah, the chutzpah. The chutzpah, yeah. Yeah, chutzpah. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm I'm all about the transgression. <laughs> I'm all, all about the transgression. If if you can can shock me and and you know. Make me feel all kinds of uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, I'm with it, and uh, I'm hoping that's what I get out of this. But I give Tom free reign to do whatever he wants. You know, the, he's he's one of the few where I'd be like, "All right, we're in good hands. We'll just let him play this out, and we'll see where it goes." Whereas, you know, I'm not always that allowing of of you know certain writers like like um, Mark Miller's one of them. And, you know, there's a handful that uh, I I don't really give them the their due, right? But uh, Tom, eh, 
Tom has is pretty much earned it with me where I, I especially after the vision, right? And you know, his his great stuff on Batman. Tom could mangle me any any way he, he wants to. I'm down. Yeah. Down? I'm down with it. Why not, right? So there you go. Do we have uh any other uh things we would want to talk about here? Yeah, what did you read? Um I'll say oh, super monstrous. Man. Uh, oh, see why you gotta be like that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, actually, no, because there was um, there was no Superman this week. Um, it's a skip oh, week, was it? A fifth week, right? It's a fifth week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did. Um, I did read West Coast Avengers uh, since Jason mentioned it last week. Um, actually, I finished it after we were done recording last week. I. I liked it a lot. It was um, it was a real solid first issue, even though I'm not, I may not love every character in the book because uh, this team is uh, comprised of um, Hawkeye and Hawkeye and Gwenpool and America and Quentin and Hawkeye's boyfriend, who I think think his name is fuse yeah johnny watts aka fuse can change his body to mimic any substance he comes into contact with i don't know if that means he's absorbing man's son but um he basically kind of has that power um stefano caselli's art was fantastic and i i kind of like dynamics on this team It, it doesn't it's not it's not filling any void that the Roger Stern and, and Bob Hall West Coast Avengers gave us from back in the day. It's just it's these characters just seem to be hanging out in California, and um, I, I think as far as it, the Clint Barton voice is there, and since I don't know a whole lot about the remaining characters, and yeah, I, I know I know Kate from young adventures and things like that but it's not like i've been following her on every adventure but um all the characters ring true based on what i know about them so i think it was a uh i echo jason and it was a real solid first issue um i decided since we're talking about things that we tried i did order this finally read it uh archie's super teens versus crusaders oh mighty is it the the mighty crusaders it is the mighty crusaders Ooh, i didn't know and it is it has fantastic art by david williams and gary martin along with um kelsey shannon it is written by ian flynn and oh it says story by ian flynn David Williams and Gary Martin. I don't know who's particularly writing what. Um, There's also a Tom Grummet variant cover, which is the one I ordered. But the because um, you're smart. Yes, uh, but it bummed me out because when the second issue came out, the first two issues—it's a two-issue miniseries. The two issues, uh, the David Williams covers are um, are are joining covers, and and so. The uh, no, you get the whole image if you get both issues. 
The variant cover for the first issue is by Tom Grummet. The variant cover for the second issue is a pencils-only version of the first issue's cover by David Williams. Okay. So, yeah. So if you get the variant cover of the second issue, it's actually the cover of the first issue. Half of so you're ending up with half. You get you're ending up with the Tom Grumman cover and the ha- and half of an image that the two issues um, connect to make. Kind of weird, but nevertheless, um, I I enjoyed the quips. Between the super teams, there were some, um, yeah, the, the Black Hood shows up, Comet shows up, the fi- and it's, it's, and these are the, it's not the, the Crusaders that are in the current comic that, that, that we discussed a couple months ago. Um, these are the old school Mighty Crusaders. Um, but the first issue is great. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, there is a substitute teacher who apparently just decides that, um, oh, I'm not going to say he just decides, but the substitute teacher is a, um, is, is, well, a mad scientist. He, um, he is, uh, it, it's, he's Dr. Uh, Dr. Zardoz, and he has a giant uh, robot, the Zarbot. And that's when the Super Teens and the Mighty Crusaders join forces to take him down. I was not a fan of the second issue. Not, no, I don't want to say I wasn't a fan of the second issue. I wasn't a fan of the resolution. Um, as, as high as they had me with the first issue... I came crashing down hard at the end of the second complete 180. Um, it kind of made sense. There were, I don't know what else they could do, but it was still kind of uh, kind of a letdown. I'm not going to spoil it here. Um, I was just hoping for something more. I don't want to say better. I was hoping for something more based on what on what we got at the beginning, based on how it started. Uh, I, I was hoping for something. The artist still pretty cool. The second issue has art by um, the, the same same group. It's just um, the way it was kind of... I think the Mighty Crusaders were drawn by Shannon and uh, the Archie pages are by um, Williams, but I'm not sure how, how strict they were with that breakdown because there are a couple pages where it looks like... Um, Shannon may have jumped in, but nevertheless, it's pretty cool. Two issues. Um, I may just be a little harsh on, on the end of it. You may not, if you decide to give it a chance. Uh, and so I can finally get it off my plate last, well, a bunch of months ago, there was a flash annual, which was like a prelude to the upcoming flash war and i was looking forward to the flash war because i figured we'd get some some resolution uh maybe some answers some explanations as to you know how wally is here and 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 but wally's already in uh the uh the 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 original wally west who didn't make it over to the flashpoint 
post-Flashpoint universe. He's finally here, and I figured Flash War would kind of maybe explain things. It, as far it, to me, it, it kind of didn't. I, I was not. Um, I had high hopes for Flash War, and they didn't really pan out. Unfortunately, it was cool seeing some of the rogues. Um, but for some reason, Wally seemed awfully whiny here, and uh, there, there were some things that they tried to um, explain or uh, bring some closure to as far as, like, because Barry, Barry's not quite, Barry hasn't realized that things are missing from his life or, or, or his loved one's lives, and uh, now that Wally West, the original Wally West is back, or in his life, uh, they they were taking on Reverse Flash, and the Speed Force is manipulated, but Wally sees Linda and their twins, and he remembers them. And for some reason, Barry didn't remember them or, or, or didn't know they existed, but then he does remember them and apologizes to Wally for kind of just not that he didn't believe him, but just kind of just let him. It, it was, I don't know. I read it and I just, I ended up feeling kind of wanting. I just, it, it, it didn't scratch the itch. I was hoping it would scratch, but I'm going to stop now so this way i'll have something positive for in your travels <laughs> nice but you know wally's going to be the inroad to getting the dc universe back to the pre i, I can only hope pre-flashpoint you you know it's going to happen there you know uh, and i don't think it's going to be line wide i think they're going to keep bendis's superman continuity and they're going to keep tom's batman continuity but there's going to be a point where they're going to revert back and that's probably redundant. Uh, revert to the 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 pre flashpoint, and it's Wally's going to get. He's going to be the instigator. He has to be. It always happens with a well, flash, forget, right? Still, and and you know we still haven't. It, it, there there was the connection there with the whole with the button, and exactly. I mean yes, now we have Doomsday Clock, but yeah, I mean we we still haven't really kind of. They're playing it out slow. Going back to that, so yeah, extremely, slow. which is fine. I I don't yeah they they can they can take their time with it and then hook you back in and hey remember this that that's cool I dig right. things like that yeah uh, before we wrap this up we would be remiss if we did not send out some massive love to the families uh, and fans of Marie Severin and yes. Gary Friedrich. And Russ Heath, all of whom we lost yeah. in the space of like what a week, week and a half. Um, I yeah. love, I love all these creators, but to me, um, Marie, Marie's the biggest loss. Yeah, there's, yeah, some, I agree. There's some people at Marvel like Marie and like Joe Sinnott, where they're there through such a span of years and are kind of like 
you know, the, the, the glue that holds it together, the continuity as like sort of other people can't, you know, come and go, you know, she was kind of there and just, um, you know, in every, in every capacity and just like talking about like comics that have a great, like, um, where it all, you know, leads up to like some great final, like splash page or whatever. Like, um, you guys remember Hulk 101? It, uh, it's, um, it's like the one it's, it's the cover's pretty distinctive. It's got this kind of like, uh, the Hulk on, um, the rainbow bridge and he's like coming at you and he's like about to fight a bunch of, uh, uh, Asgardian warriors. And it's, it's kind of, I, I think the Hulk is Marie Severin and then, and then the rest of the elements are Kirby, yeah. but like the story it's, itself is like, it's so great. Cause it's like the Hulk is just fighting this like mystery enemy. That's like coming to him from space, like coming to him from high above. And he can't, he can't see who this is that keeps bedeviling him. All you see is the effects. You see like, you know, laser blasts and explosions and stuff. And he keeps trying to like, you know, jump up and, and, and reach this like unseen enemy. It's just this great tension that, that plays out through the issue. And then like at, at the end, you know, the final splash is where like this mystery opponent is revealed and it's the silver surfer. And like, it's about to go down like the, the big fight between them. And it's just like, just, you know, that, that's, that's the thing. That's the issue I think of with like Marie Severin. It's like, and, and, and it's almost like, it, it's almost like something out of like the image era, like that, um, like the way it played. Cause it's just like all this like amazing action. And then like this great, like splash page cliffhanger at the end. I, 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 I like with Gary Friedrich, I, I know there, like, I gotta dig through my stuff. I know there's, like, so, some stuff in there, like, uh, I mean, like, the Son of Satan stuff mm-hmm. is, is incredible. Yep, yep. For me, Marie is, is, will always be the, the cartoon, cartoonist behind the not brand ech stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and to enter an arena in which her brother was such a, a driving force and to be, in many respects, I mean, her approach was far different, but for my money, I I like Marie's work as much as I like John's, and I'm a huge John Severn fan. I think Marie was a was an outstanding cartoonist. She was a great colorist, and and she spanned this, like you said, this massive swath of time. EC Comics and Marvel Comics, and she was Marie was always there, and her Hulk is incredible. But um, yeah, we I mean we lost three big honking guns um this weekend and much love to to everybody um associated but um tom i do have a question before we we get going on this who's your favorite gobot um i mean you know it's like yeah i can't can't pick your children but it's like i mean psykill is the one i mean he's you know he's he's just this great visual he's uh you know red, white, and blue. I feel like he's the one everybody remembered. Like, when, when they announced that I was doing GoBots, everybody's like, oh, I had that, you know, red, white, and blue motorcycle, you know. Uh, so, you know, he's... It, it's all, it's always the villain. The villain's always the guy who steals the show. So, Psykill. Do, uh, do you guys have a favorite? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going by the toys. Vamp is always my favorite. Oh, Vamp is so cool. And I love drawing him. Like, it's such a... a it's like this Lovecraftian uh, yeah. Gobot, yeah. Yeah. Do you love drawing Monstrous? I I haven't thought. Which, which one's that again? Monstrous is the Gestalt. Oh 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 oh! Because like I I 
found that under a different name. It, like, I, I think in maybe another country, it's called Satan Six. Oh, neat! A great name. <laughs> yeah. wow. Is it? That, hey, it's yeah. tied into Kirby. Yeah, totally. Look at that. That is cool. Dap, do you have a favorite GoBot? Uh, I mean, the one that I had, obviously. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's weird. They um, damn, I don't remember the damn names. Um, so I'm gonna have to buy the comic. The um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I, I my brother had Psychill. I had um, I I had Leader One. Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't. I, I had a few of them, and and I just. I love the whole, well, transforming aspect of it. I, it was just, um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if I actually had a favorite. Well, if we're going by the toys, like my favorite as a kid was Turbo. You know, he's just this like cool yeah. sports car that you could picture, like you know, Magnum PI or somebody driving, and he's and uh, you know, he's this red robot with like shades on. It's like he's just like like perfect eighties. Uh, character. Tom, did you know that? I mean, I've been a, a a buyer of Transformers for a while. They introduced Leader One into the Transformers continuity as a minicon. Remember when they did the? I think it started with Armada, maybe Energon. They had tiny transforming robots that would enhance if you plugged it into a certain part of the Transformer would make a sound. Um, but I think Megatron's Minicon was Leader One. So mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought that was neat that they introduced the GoBots into the Transformers continuity by way of this little, tiny, you know, small scale. Yeah, just kind of easing it in. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. All right. Hey, everybody, you know the drill. If you want to get cheap comics, there's only one place to go, and that's Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Get your books, get them fast, and delivered right to your very doorstep. It is effortless. You go onto the web, dcbservice.com. They show you all the stuff you can order. You click on order it. It goes into your cart. You pay. You get your books. It's that simple. You don't even have to leave your house. dcbservice.com. I'm going to go with another Black Crown book, Um, again, published by IDW. This is written by Christopher Sabela. The hook for me, I'll be totally honest, the the, the thing that drew me into reading this issue was the presence of one Mr. Sean McManus on art. Yes. I am a huge fan of this man's work. Um, Color art by Lee Lowridge. It's called House Amok, number one. And like Euthanauts, this is a very strange book. It centers around twins, Dylan and Ali Sandifer. They're twin sisters, 10 years old, but as many twins do, not to this degree, but as many twins have, ex- have purported to, uh, they feel the same feelings as their counterpart like one uh twin will get burned another twin will feel the pain on the same arm that the other one got burned on but these twins share thoughts too they can converse across say a dining room table 
one will have a, a thought, the other one responds to it. And in, in words, they, they hear each other's words mentally. Um, they're, they're somewhat like two halves of the same person. And the girls like to create stories. And these are stories of gods, both old and new. Um, the, the old gods are tired and sick. And at the end of their existences, and the new gods are waiting for sacrifices that will allow them to be born. It's quite the imaginations on these girls. They have an, an older brother named Tyler, but it's mom and dad that are really strange. Like, mom and dad are afraid of something out there. They don't say specifically what, but there's something out there that's changing things, that's erasing things. Um, the, the family goes on a trip um, to a place the mother calls the Vortex. And, and, and it, there's three forts of an acre in the, the Oregon woods that, where the laws of reality don't apply. And, and the place was discovered by a scientist named John Litzer. And this guy claims that the ley lines or as he called them, the Terra lines, which are streams of energy crisscrossing the globe, they all intersect at this point, and it, and it forms a vortex, a very strange place. There, there's odd angles, weird proportions. So the, the, the Sandifers researched this place for months, right? And, and the gist was that if they could see through reality, they would be forever changed, into or by what is not explained, but, but they would be changed, right? But the problem is, looking through, piercing the veil of this reality, something peers back. So they're at the vortex, and the family spies this cabin, right? So it's cold to the touch. They, they enter the cabin, and they find this infernal carousel, right? There's horses on the carousel, but they're they're unicorns, they're black unicorns, but the 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 horn is not a horn, it's a candle. Really cool visual, right? Skulls on the partitions and this carousel start spinning when they enter and the horses are belching energy at them and so they run, right? And they're pursued by these beings called reality adjusters. Okay. Um this is the first issue, so we don't really get a whole lot of information on what these reality adjusters are doing, but by the very basis of their name, they're they're shaping reality to suit someone's um, goals, right? So the, the Sandifers bug out, right? They leave their home. There's some kind of confrontation. Shit's broken all over the place. The investigators around the scene they're like what happened to the sandifer family i don't know let's look in the basement the basement is littered with dead bodies see the the, the sandifers they murder people they have this fairly elaborate ruse going on where they use the two girls to prey upon the sympathy of people like they'll take them to a, a a convenience store and the girls will steal something and the proprietor the 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 person working will, will run out and confront the girls and then brother Tyler 
beats them senseless with a baseball bat and they bring them into a bus, a converted bus, and they operate on them. They extract something out of their bodies and they discard the bodies. And for what reason, I have no idea. But the, <laughs> the, the Sandifers are serial killers. And the girls are willing participants in this. But I'll... Um, the, in this insanity, right? But one of the girls, Dylan, she kind of snaps out of it. She she realizes like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not right, you know? So at the end of the issue, she, she wa- is wondering whether to run away from the family and separate herself from this insanity. And by way of doing that, she separates herself from Ollie, her other half, so she's going to lose a huge chunk of who she is by leaving her sister, or does she stay and sacrifice her soul to to feed this insane thing that the parents got going on? Like I have no, I mean, I, I'm I'm picking up some of what's being put down here. Something bad is going down in another realm. Something chases this family, and there's people blotting out what was for whatever reason it's a strange freaking story and i want to know more and it's all beautifully drawn by by sean mcmanus the cartooning in this comic is amazing it's it's well again it's sean mcmanus would you expect anything less so published by idw it's called house amok where it's going i have absolutely no idea and that's the beauty of it it's so unhinged and off kilter. It's just wacky. I love it. House of Muck number one. Go get it. Do it. Yeah. Did you read it? I, I started it, and and then it uh, it was go time for the it's, episode. It's so I pretty crazy. It it's pretty crazy. Yeah. 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 It. I mean, it's. It's got characters you're not supposed to really no. root for. Yeah. But it's. Um, but you know what? If, the presentation. Exactly. Right? That's the whole thing. It, so today, yeah. I, I read House Amok and Euthanauts, both under this Black Crown imprint. I think I have done this line of disservice if these two books are representative of what I passed on, then shame on me. Now I got to go back and check out the books that I ignored previous to these two because these are phenomenal. So maybe I have... Like grew, I have aired. <laughs> um, I I will be quick because I don't because Man Your Travels isn't something I can really um, I can't say why you should read it. Just um, maybe go ahead and. Join me in reading it. I um, I am going to. It's. I'm I'm reading this because of the writer, and because the the pitch kind of hooked me. I am not the biggest fan of. Um, when 
That's not true because I don't want to compare him to to Malief. Pearl by Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gatos, um, the creators of Jessica Jones. It's under um, the Jinx World imprint from DC. It's um, it, it's their tattoos involved. Um, I that, the first few pages kind of just hooked me based on a conversation. Uh, these two people are having about this woman's tattoo. And uh, it's just, unfortunately there are times where Gatos, the models he uses um, are very, they're a lot of time is spent on, on the faces and, and it kind of, it, it can be distracting. Um, especially when, doing things that you know you would see normal people do and the face looks fantastic and 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 super realistic but the rest of what's going on in the panel is drawn and it's just it's 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 not jarring but it's just it it sticks out a bit but i am um i'm 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 liking the uh the setup for it so far so i'll i'll Go into it and say if it's you know yay or nay next time. But I'll um I wanted to try something, so that's my new travels for this week. Nice, Mr. Sholey. Do you have any new travels? Well, um, it's it's out this week. It's the um, new issue of uh, Ed Pisker's uh, X Men Grand Design. Mm. Yes. I know you guys have talked about this series before, but like, it's just, you know, it's like, as of this issue, which it's like the second issue of second Genesis, which is like the second, it's like they come out in like micro series of two issues. So it's like the fourth issue of it, but like, it's like in four issues, he's covered like the first 20 some years of X-Men. So it's like really like, it's, it's, you know, just but like this for me, this is like my first time actually experiencing like the entire x-men because like i've like as a kid i was a huge fan of like the burn claremont stuff and and of course like the the kirby stuff but it's like you know i'd sort of read it in like dribs and drabs here and that but this is the first time it's like i'm like getting like the full myth of the x-men and like you know the first time it's ever been done as something as digestible as this like other than like a uh official handbook of the marvel universe entry or something so so it's just um just been really enjoying that nice Pittsburgh Coalition represent. Pittsburgh, yeah, I got it. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And do not forget. I'm even going to give you the page number. If you have the previews catalog for this month, it's on page 153. That's my PDF is telling me it's on page 153. GoBots number one, written and drawn by Tom Scholey. Get this. Variant covers, much like in the tradition of Transformers versus G.I. Joe, where Tom would have Ed Pisker and other indie giants do variant covers. This issue comes with the main cover by Tom Scholey. You get a blank sketch cover. Dash Shaw is doing the retailer incentive A cover. And Mr. Benjamin Mara mm-hmm. is doing the retailer incentive B cover. So you have a number of different versions from which to choose. 32 pages for 3.99. You gots to order this. 
because Tom's going to throw down. You know he's going to do it. And uh, you said it's a six-issue series or five? Five. It's five. Cool. Yeah. So it's a five-issue series. You're, it, it's going to be a, a, a wonderful read, and it's not going to be this ongoing multi-year project. Five issues, bang, and he's going to make his mark, and he's done. So get this. GoBots number one from IDW and Tom Scholey. Tom, we, we love you for being here with us, buddy. It was so much fun, and uh, yeah, we'll have to do it like with with a much much less of a break than we had since last time. Oh, please, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Four years is too long, too long. So, uh, everybody, remember if you would like to uh, experience more of the eleven o'clock comics experience, such as it is, you can come to our Facebook page. We're there all the time. People throwing down on everything. A lot of subjects being bandied about we're on the twitter and come to our patreon thing it's uh, patreon.com forward slash one one o c o m i c s and pretty soon i'm going to unveil the uh, comic should be ridiculous shirts you can see the designs that you can only get through uh, patreon it's going to be cool awesome stuff um in the meantime we miss jason Big time. Uh, yeah well not big time. But we miss him. <laughs> but we miss him. Come on. We had fun. Uh, in we the did mean- have fun. I can still miss him. In the meantime, but well, not big time. In the meantime, say goodnight, David. Good night. Maybe Tom should butt in now, like Jason did last week. <laughs> <laughs> very good very good you're stepping on yourself look at you i know tripping all over the place hey everybody we had a wonderful time thank you tom god bless you love you so much and uh again go bots number one idw get it we'll be back very soon you never know you may get another one before um long let's just say as in like a couple days So be here with us. You know where to get it. And uh, we'll see you next time.